hammer. Come on. <laughs> He's like, no, I have time for the wait for the love of God. <laughs> it's so good. Damn it, Bill Murray. Uh, hey you. Oh, hey. <laughs> oh, hey. Oh, oh, hello there. Oh, what, when did you get here? <laughs> Hi there, Miss Thing. Oh, hey there, cutie Miss Cute Cute. You're cutie Miss Cute Cute. <laughs> uh, hey, everybody. Hey. Welcome to another episode of Lights, Camera, Cocktails. Cocktails. And I am the creepy, magical, past-bringing, smoking cab driver, children-watching TV show guy, <laughs> Zenobia. <laughs> the bone! Oh! <laughs> it's a bone, you lucky dog! <laughs> I love him when he does that. <laughs> it's too funny. I'm your little lovely ghost of Christmas present. High on caffeine and diet pills and going crazy. <laughs> Lenny. <laughs> Lenny. Lenny. And here on Lights, Camera, Cocktails, we pair amazing cocktails with amazing movies. Amazing. And tonight is no different. Mm-mm. So... Girlfriend, you want to tell them what, what we're watching tonight? Oh, we should definitely talk about what we're watching tonight because we're going to start drinking as soon as possible. Uh, we are going over. It's going. It's a, This is our third pick for holiday movie month. And yep. we decided to go with a semi-classic, semi-contemporary version of a very classic Christmas tale. And we chose Scrooged. You've been Scrooged. <laughs> You're Scrooged, bitch. No. You're Scrooged, bitch. <laughs> you are. All right. Yeah. I love it. I'm excited. I'm excited, too. It's a great film. Uh, highly suggest if you haven't watched it. Hopefully you have while you're watching and listening with us. I wanted to pair this movie tonight with a beautiful classic, uh, Old is Yule. Um, and I chose The Old Fashioned, a classic, beautiful, old-fashioned it is classic. It classic. is. It is. So this drink that we have in our hands, the old-fashioned, it's a beautiful classic recipe. And it's not that difficult and it's not that hard. And it just gives you a tinge of sophistication. It's... It does. It, right? <laughs> I really... It, it's a classic. So it's one and a half ounces of either whiskey or bourbon, whichever you prefer. We're doing bourbon because, yeah, we are. Uh, know it. One sugar cube, or if you don't have it in sugar cube, like one little teaspoon of sugar. You're going to have your aroma bitters. You're going to just do a couple of dashes, three, two to three, depending on how you like it, if you like it a little strong with the bitters. And then you're going to want a slice of orange, like the rind. You're just going to a little sliver of that and a cherry for your garnish. So what you're going to do is you're going to take your sugar, you throw it into the bottom of your glass, and you throw about two to three of those dashes of bitters. 
A little side bartender trick, if you want your sugar to dissolve quickly, just add a dash of a slightly warmed water of some kind. Um, it's not going to completely dissolve it. You don't want it to completely dissolve it because the sugars kind of just break up a little bit over time inside of the uh, bourbon. And then you muddle all of that together into a nice little like syrupy graduated mixture. And then you throw in your ounce and a half of bourbon and your ice cube. You usually want to go for like a big block because it's going to slowly melt. And that way you can like keep the purity of like the perfect blend of spirits, but it's on a nice chilled. And then you just swirl it around. You can uh, usually take your like spoon mixer, stir it up and just get it nice and chilled in the glass. And then you take your orange rind, do a little twist on it and push so that you get the orange oils just come out on top of the cocktail for the rim of the glass and then throw in a bourbon brandied cherry if you have it because they're my favorite is that what you have yours <laughs> yeah this one is courtesy of ricky he is was so graciously offering up woodford reserve bourbon mm. cherries yeah they're really good so it's like double the bourbon in this glass right now Mine are the cheap ones from the grocery store with no alcohol in them. You can so make maybe them. Maybe I should. I was like, maybe I should just do that. I'll buy some and take most of the juice out and then fill it up with bourbon or something. Yeah, absolutely. That's like how they used to do when they would take uh, cherries. They just take them during cherry season and then would brandy and preserve the shit out of them so that they would have them for all year round. They used to put it in cakes and pies all the time and then they started adding it into drinks because. Uh, Obviously. Why not? Why not? <laughs> uh, as that little like juiciness you never knew you needed in your drink. All right. Old fashioned girl. Okay. Well, let's, let's try this. Cheers. Cheers. Love you, Ben. Love you. Mm. Beautiful. I have to say that I have tried an old fashioned twice. Uh huh. I made it once and it was. Before I was into making cocktails, I didn't really know what I was doing. Mm-hmm. I have to say, this is pretty good. I'm this not a good. fan of just like straight alcohol, pretty much. You know, mm-hmm. that's not my jammy jam. But if you do it right, it does taste good. The Yeah. The sugar, you can taste that. And then you have like the bitters taste. That orange, if you twist it in there and you get those little spurts out there onto your cup it's just like seriously it does help it's as good i i could i could see myself drinking and if it's a good long sipper that's what i really love about an old-fashioned is that you could be drinking this for a good half an hour um i mean it it, you don't want the ice cube to completely melt in your drink you want to finish it before that but like it's a nice sipper and then also if you like that orange flavor uh, they do like orange bitters and people do often add that to like their style of old fashioned. I will have to think about that because, you know, I, I should have put the the blood orange bitters in here. Huh? Yeah, that could be re- that will be really tasty. Like I've done I was telling you earlier, I love doing like spicy honey sometimes, especially in the winter to get it like a little warm, a little whiskey. It's really good. Like you can just add any type of. Different as long as it's bitters, you can add a flavor to it and really spice up your old fashioned. So now that we have this delicious ass old ass fashioned drink, I'm ready. Yeah, let's do this. I'm gonna give you a brief, cute little herstory. Cause yeah. girl, 
I kind of went into it for a minute. It was a lot of fun. The history of this drink, and I'm not going to be, I've really never looked into it before. And I'm, I enjoyed it quite thoroughly diving into this. Oh my God. Uh, so Give if you're ready. Me. You oh know, I God. love hearing these old ass tales of these drinks. These old- these old tales and like people they just get really into it so <laughs> i love it i do i so, seriously do that's why i made sure that we had a spot in here so that we could learn about what we drinking exactly exactly so this old-fashioned drink there's like a controversy about who named this drink right but like wait till you hear about it oh so yes. on, <laughs> so on may 13th of 1906 dude that was when it was first referenced this cocktail because that everyone was kind of starting to collaborate. Bars were just starting to like solidify this name for the old fashioned before it was the old fashioned. It was called a bittered sling. Bitter sling. Because the bitters were so strong. And now we have a better way of distilling bourbon and whiskey. Back then it was like really rough. So then they threw bitters into it. And so it became like it was a pretty bitter to drink. And they called it the bittered sling. And it was essentially the beginning start of the old fashioned recipe. But then the concoction starts to like kind of morph. And people start getting crazy. And they realize that. It would be better and more solidified if, like, it wasn't just bourbon. They started doing rum with bitters and, like, uh, and the sugar. And then they started doing gin with the rum, sugar, and bitter. And that's where it all started morphing, right? Ooh, okay. So then these concoctions of the spirits with the bitters, it all started happening in 1860. And people were just like, whoa, what's going on? This is getting crazier. And then they started doing more and more. People started putting absinthe with the spirits and, like, all these different liqueurs. Like, we try, like, the peach liqueur, peppermint shops liqueurs and stuff. And people are like, whoa, 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 this is getting way too much for me. Bartender, can you just make me, you know, something that's old-fashioned? And that's when it started. People would go, because the the term in-fashioned was really, like, vogue in, like, 19, like 1866-ish. Okay, wait, wait. So people would come up, instead of asking for a, a bitter sling. Well, so then things started getting, like, really, like, because this is the start during the time of, like, the creation of cocktails. Okay. So then that's when the, so the first mixologists and the bartenders started, like, making these little concoctions, adding different, like, alcohols and liqueurs into all these drinks. That was the original recipe. And people were like, whoa, hold on, settle down. We like a classic. We want to go back to the original what we knew. Can we go? And so the term old-fashioned was, like, really in vogue during that time like people would be like wow that's just such an old-fashioned way of doing things like you're gonna mm. seriously she's wearing something so old-fashioned like that oh, carriage then <laughs> that carriage is very old-fashioned design so it became a thing when they were like can we just go to a classic like an, an old-fashioned and that's where it's kind of started to be picked up around in all the little bar areas right so then hmm. All of a sudden, in 1881, because this was around the time of 1860s, 1866 is when that was all going down. And then in 1881, Louisville, Kentucky decides that they're designing the old fashioned. It's their drink. They have, they're calling it out. This is what we're doing. Okay. And they name it after, apparently, they take claim that they've created this drink called the old fashioned. It's to honor an old bourbon distiller named james e peppermint pepper sorry james e pepper i like she was like i know (laughs) i kind of wish his last name was peppermint that'd be cute (laughs) 
But James E. Pepper, he was, like, this cool, like, distillery guy that was, like, really well-known in the Kentucky area, and they all, like, loved him. So a bartender there decided to name the Old Fashioned after him. And because he became so popular with them is because Colonel Pepper not only was a distiller, but he also opened up the Waldorf Hotel in New York. That bar. Yeah. So he's the one that started the Waldorf Astoria Hotel bar right there in New York City. And because he was the bourbon distiller, it became really well known. And it was like, the drink is the old fashioned. It's named for for the colonel, you know. But see, the thing is, is that people had already started calling it like the old fashioned back in 1866, right? So how can they take claim for a drink that already exists? They can't. Because in 1880, there is even printed proof. I know that in Chicago, where this was all kind of going down where all the drink concoctions were being mixed up and made, the Chicago Daily Tribune has an imprint that the first old-fashioned is being discovered. It was when the Chicago barman is quoted saying that the old-fashioned is a really popular drink right now. The rye whiskey is more popular than the bourbon. And more often than not, they do the combination with bitters, water, and sugar. And that is in print. So no matter what Louisville, Kentucky says, they did not create the old-fashioned. (laughs) officially it was created in the bars in chicago and it was printed proof that like somebody else called it the old-fashioned before this guy did but it doesn't matter and louisville kentucky doesn't care because they're still claiming it it's like no (laughs) it's a part of our history so we're keeping it it's ours they made it their state cocktail so if you go to Kentucky, you're drinking an old-fashioned because that's their state cocktail. But then this is even crazier. For two weeks in June, dude, they do this thing. We have to go. Old-fashioned Fortnite. For two weeks, they do bourbon-themed events, cocktail shake-offs for, like, the best, co- yeah, the best drinks of bur- in bourbon. And then they've even created a national bourbon holiday on June 14th that, like, ends their whole holiday, like, celebration of old-fashioned Fortnite, they commemorate it with the very last day of june 14th and it's the national bourbon day okay so whether we go to kentucky or not (laughs) we which this june i doubt we will but i know we should definitely just personally me and you lenny have our own (laughs) Fortnite. And then we'll just like make, I think I want to enter in the shake off. That sounds, I know. I think I'd be fucking good at that. I'm down. Wouldn't that be so, Yeah. I think we, I think we would dominate. I would be like there with every single ingredient you need. Like boom, boom, boom. Yeah. We've got this. We got and this. Got we'll that- wear our own shirts that says lights, camera, cocktails, bitches. <laughs> oh, wow. Kentucky. Yeah. Look, okay. understand that you guys think that you made up the drink, but you didn't. But you didn't. There's proof. I always heard that an old fashioned is called an old fashioned because kind of like what you said, it's the mm-hmm. oldest cocktail. It's like the first the cocktail, mm-hmm. cocktail made ever. It's yes. supposed to be an old fashioned. And Kentucky is doing it right though with this Fortnite. I'll give you guys <laughs> that. I'm drinking some Kentucky bourbon right now. So that's just perfect. <laughs> yeah, no, it actually it's perfect. Yeah. I'm drinking I'm drinking Brooklyn bourbon right now, so Oh, well, you know, I'm keeping it keeping it real Kentucky. I see you. <laughs> wow. Okay. I know. Old-fashioned. I thought it was old-fashioned, the old-fashioned way. I loved that. I, when I literally just think of Donner Draper anytime. I think of Mad Men when I think of it. Oh, yeah. I do, too. So I think of 
And now I see why he was drinking these. These are pretty fucking good. High executive business, high executive business people, just like give me a whiskey. Like, Girl, I don't know if I could drink this all damn day though, like he be doing. But I could uh, have a couple though. These are pretty good. I love these. Well, cheers. I'm glad that you like that. Cheers. I'm glad that we you picked this one. Of course. Let's let's get a little sip going. Okay. Mm. And that will conclude my little history. Wow. On the old fashioned baby. I love it. Thank you for giving me that. Thank you for listening. It was so much fun. I had so much fun. That was yeah. that was really a good time. Now that I know, one of the old fashions that I had that I didn't make uh-huh. was pre-made. And I think that's probably why I didn't like it. It was like a pre-made. Oh, yeah. Mm-mm. You can't pre-make these kinds of things. Bitch, I didn't know I was in, like, fucking college, girl. I was no, yeah, anything. please. <laughs> I was going to drink anything. I understand. It's time for Ma- the yeah. motherfucking drinking game. Yes! I'm so excited. All right. Here is the motherfucking drinking game for Scrooge. So grab your old-fashioned cocktail and get ready for the motherfucking drinking game. So you're going to take a simp when you see a IBC promo or logo. Here on IBC, you'll love it. So this is their commercials. like Oh, my God. For the, the show. The towel. Yeah. For the shows that they're trying to do. You know, they're mm-hmm. like, oh, IBC. This week is going to have, what is the the reindeer, when the reindeer die, when Santa killed somebody? <laughs> the night the reindeer die. The night the reindeers die. The night the reindeers die on IBC. <laughs> yeah. That was so scary. It is so scary. <laughs> you just like see Santa and Mrs. Claus like gun up and you're like, what is happening? One, I kind of like how badass them. Santa Claus and Mrs. Claus were. So, I mean, I mean yeah. that, we might have to revisit this movie and try to make that into something <laughs> real. I think people would go see it if we, if we wrote that. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> it's true they would. People are crazy. <laughs> That is how that is how brilliant this film is, though. We'll get to that. We'll get to that in a minute. So all of those, you gonna mm-hmm. take a sip? Take a sip. You gonna take a sip when someone says Frank Cross? This is Frank Cross or Lumpy. 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 Oh, Lumpy. So I like that. Yeah, if they just call him Frank or if they call him Mr. Cross. Mr. Cross. Those to are both, you. Those are both names that you're acceptable. Gonna, acceptable. I do like where she comes in and she's like, Lumpy, Lumpy. <laughs> and he's like, oh shit, she's here. <laughs> and only she can call him Lumpy, oh, though. Oh, yeah. Excuse me, Lumpy. Around these parts, most people call me Mr. Cross. I'm sorry, I'm new here and I got a problem. I don't think so. <laughs> yeah, he's about to fuck you up. I know. So yeah, you gonna take some sips. Okay, I think take some sips, I like it. You gonna take a simp when someone says Christmas? He's fired? It's Christmas. Thank you. Call accounting. Stop his bonus. Or Scrooge. So oh. this is like bonus check. Where he got his bonus check? <laughs> That's so mean. I know he can't even get his bonus, man. Dang. Come on. Dang. Or like where he goes ten o'clock on IBC live from New York. Charles Dickens' immortal Christmas classic, Scrooge. And oh, like, I know. Yeah, the, the they got a commercial. Yeah, they got a commercial for that too. 
So yeah. <laughs> That's a double drink right there. Yes, I will also take for the commercial the one where <laughs> his like demon one. <laughs> oh. Uh, how does it go? It goes something like, now more than ever. It is important to remember the true meaning of Christmas. Don't miss Charles Dickens' immortal classic, Scrooge. Your life might and just, just depend on it. It's <laughs> like all the horrible things that happen in the world, and now you're going to have to watch this fucking movie. Uh, Which has nothing to do. It has nothing to do with the actual film. That's what's killer is that he's showing all these visuals that have nothing to do with the special. And he almost so killed some like, old ass bitch. He did kill her. She did oh, die. Oh, did she? I thought she just had a heart attack. Ooh. No. She oh, like, that's dies. right. He calls and when they call, and he's like, "Uh, we are, we're so sorry. We are so sorry." And they had to put the warning, the disclaimer, for <laughs> the disclaimer at the beginning of it. I want that promo run every half hour. I want a disclaimer at the top. Anyone with a heart condition must leave the room. Oh, my God. Like, you would watch that commercial, and then you would go to watch A Christmas Carol and be very disappointed that that's what The Christmas Carol is. It's just a normal ass. Exactly. It's just normal, except they got some titties. Yeah. You can hardly Ooh. see them nipples. <laughs> you, can, uh, you can hardly see them nipples. You can hardly I love that line. <laughs> I love that line. <laughs> Okay. Oh, the solid gold dancers. <laughs> solid gold. Woo. So you're going to take a sip when Elliot has bad luck. So this is him getting fired. This is him drunkenly drinking on the street when the cab comes and splashes him with water and yells at him and the bottle falls out of his hand. <laughs> All the bad luck that he has. His wife left him. Just everything. Just everything. It's so bad. He didn't deserve that. He was a good employee. He was. He truly was. And he was just looking out for the the network's best intentions. Yeah. And it's like the calmest Uh, that you ever see Bobcat, like, literally on screen, like, ever. (laughs) I know. Oh, my God. He's not a spastic. He's so spastic. Yeah. And this one, he's not so much. No, and he's he's very endearing. He's such an endearing character always. Mm-hmm. You gonna take a simp when Frank sees a ghost. So this is his old mentor coming back. You are going to be visited by three ghosts. Ooh, three ghosts. Three ghosts, Frank. This is mm. the ghost of present, future, and past. You gonna take some? Oh, I'm also gonna take this. As him seeing the eyeball in his glass. Yeah. Or when he thinks the dude's on fire. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to take those all as ghosts because no one else can see that but him. Yeah, that make, that makes sense. I like that. I like that add-on. The addition on. I like that. I love the line, though. One of my favorite quotes is, I don't mind you hitting me, Frank, but take it easy on the Bacardi. But take it easy on the Bacardi. On the Bacardi. <laughs> I honestly, when that that kind of introduction with the ghost is so good. That is perfect timing because you gonna take a simp when someone drinks or talks about drinking. So that line yes. definitely is gonna be in it. Oh, I love it. We see Frank Bill Murray drinking, which looks like an old fashioned throughout the movie. Yes, it is a. It's a. It has tab in it, and we're not drinking tab. <laughs> there was no way we were going to find tab. I was like, drink I don't tab. think that's even a thing anymore. 
I know. It's really funny. I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, we're not drinking tab. We're drinking what looks like an old-fashioned. Which looks like an old-fashioned. <laughs> which we would think Frank Cross would drink is an old-fashioned. Yeah, a president exec, you know. But so I take a sip when anyone is drinking. Got it. Or talking about drinking. Or talking about drinking. You don't take a sip when he yells about the hammering. <laughs> So good. So he's like, for the love of God. Would you please, for the love of God and your own body, hold the hammering. Will you please stop hammering? hammering. Hold the hammering. Do you hear me? He's just <laughs> yelling at them. He yells at them about five times. What are you hammering? What are what, you hammering right now? I like it because they're like slowly, they stop hammering yeah. and then you hear them like, like quietly starting to hammer. Yeah. And it gets louder. <laughs> For the love of God! He's just not having it. So every no. time he yells at the crew for hammering, you gonna take a simp. Beautiful. Beautiful. You gonna take a simp when the TV censor... I'm sorry, break. Mr. Cross. I am the censor, and I will not allow this costume on the air. Gets hurt. So every time she gets hit in the head with the, with the light... <laughs> watch out. Oh, watch out. Ah! Thanks, boys. Get the nurse. And then even though they're trying to take care of him, he, like, turns her head. He's like, see? You can barely see the devils. And she's like, ah. I'm going to take that because really he hurt her, too. Himself. Yeah, he definitely yeah. hurt her. Is it okay to move her? Def- and they're like, no. No. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> she's, like, paralyzed now forever. The building falls on her once they stop hammering. In the, really? I know. <laughs> the side of the side of the building. They get her pretty good. Her. Yeah, they do. So, At the end, she's like wrapped up in gauze and a cast, and you're like, "Oh, this poor lady." But she gets hers though, you know. She does. She gets to make out with the hot dude, like the hot producer yeah. dude. She's like, "Yeah, let's do this." <laughs> it's Christmas. He was under the mistletoe. <laughs> it's law. I have to kiss this girl on the lips. Well, she's just upholding the law. It's a federal law, actually. It's not just a state thing. Bill Murray it's said law. it is law. You have to. It's true. You can go to jail. It's true. Or pay yeah. up to a $600 fine. Look it up. Jeez. Don't look it up, look it up people. Real. People, please don't look it up. But just take <laughs> my word for it. Don't look it up. <laughs> <laughs> and I've got mistletoe. I'll live in my Ooh. house, baby. Ooh. You gonna take a simp when Frank yells when he's scared. So this is like him getting pushed oh. through the window and hung out. This is him scared at the dude on fire. Oh, oh my god, I know. He's oh like, my god. I'm sorry. He's just like mumbling. I thought you were Richard Pryor. I thought you were Richard Pryor. I love that line. I love that line so much. I love, I love that line so much. <laughs> so any of the time that he's screaming, uh, when he thinks that death is there for him the or the ghost of christmas future is there for him but really it's just it's just the guy in the suit, in the suit. He's like stop scaring the president yeah stop scaring frank yeah so you go go ahead and take some stamps on there all right all right good one that's a good one i like it you don't take <laughs> a simp every christmas eve you see so every christmas oh. eve you go to even oh even if it's in the present one, and we just go into another Christmas Eve, somebody else's Christmas Eve, you don't take a sip. 
Okay. So every time we change them up. Oh my gosh, that's a lot during the past. Yeah. The past you get is quite the most. a few. Yeah, the past yeah, is the most. You get quite a few of those. Yeah. That's a, oh my God, I love it when it's like so sad and heartbreaking when the dad just throws veal chops. I've got something for you. Merry Christmas. A choo choo train? No, it's five pounds of veal. On his son for Christmas. You're like, damn, man. <laughs> Dang, I don't want veal. I mean, yeah, I guess I do, but no. That's like your present. Like, your yeah. kid doesn't want veal chops. No. Like, come on, man. That's something your neighbors get you or something. Like, not, <laughs> not your kid. <laughs> so, yeah, all of those. I do love the Christmas Eve where we meet Claire. And he's like, or do you come by here often? Because if so, I'll just walk across the street. I'll and they both go. Yeah. I love that. That's a good one. Every time. It's so, oh, this movie is just so great. This movie has some classics. Mm-hmm. Oh. So you going to finish your drink. Oh, shit. When, Here we go. When we meet Claire. So when she calls oh. her lumpy bear to come out. <laughs> lumpy. You see her? You going down that drink. Okay. You got it. You going to finish your drink when we see Grace's family. So like when he's looking through the window and he realized that, uh, I don't know, her husband's dead. I didn't know her husband died. Oh, Frank, don't you remember that period when she wore black for a year? Black for like a year, dude. And he's just like, I don't know. I just thought, you know, it's New York. Everywhere wears black. You know? <laughs> yeah. And oh, that, not, that one's so good. I love that one too. Yeah. So when yeah. He, he peeps in on them, you can go ahead and finish your drink. Oh, and their family is so cute. It's the tickling part, right? Yeah. And she's when, like, oh, let's go in there. Come on. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> and then they start tickling each other. It's like a very endearing moment. It is. And then she beats the crap out of him again. <laughs> I also love she had some with the fucking toaster. The bitch hit me with a toaster. <laughs> the woman hit me with a toaster. <laughs> hit me with a toaster. So, Too yeah. funny. You gonna okay. finish your drink. You gonna finish your drink when they say, God bless Everyone. God blesses everyone. Oh my god. He's like, what's up, little guy? Yeah. <laughs> or big man. What's oh up, god. big man? That miss something? He's like, yeah. The fucking line of the whole Scrooge. Jesus. Yes. Calvin Cooley, man. He god just comes out. Everyone. Everyone. All like really small and cute. Oh. <laughs> Get the cutie. <laughs> you have anything to add? No, I honestly, you hit all the really good ones. I think it's perfect. Actually, no, 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 wait, wait. The only one that I would say, I really effing love it when he calls out his brother and he's just, and he's just like, oh, come on. How do you not know the answer to the boat? Like, well, like when he's on part. TV or he, when he's a ghost? Yeah. Oh, yeah. When he's and on he TV. freaks the shit out of them, And he too. freaks, the, the, the whole party's just like, how did he, he know, know that? Like, how do you do how that? And then he goes... They're like, we're over here in, like, the Bronx, and this guy's, like, in, like, Manhattan, like, fucking, holy shit. I know. It was so cute. And he then he goes, he casually goes, hi, Wendy. And it's, like, his sister-in-law, and she's like, oh, oh my God. God. Wow. <laughs> I would say toast to that, like, a cheers, a drink to that when that happens, because it's kind of one of my favorite parts. It is it's a so very cute. fucking good one. <laughs> it's really funny. What's the name so of Gilligan's Island? boat ss minnow james what was the ship that brought them all to gilligan's island the ss minnow no points this round james come on little bro ss minnow i can't think of it either 
They don't ever say hey. it. They just show the like the life preserver and it says it on there. I don't fucking know. It's the SS Minnow. You are. You're right. So No, so honestly, that's the only thing I would add to the drinking game. All right. Sorry. Well, that is the motherfucking drinking game. Yes. Woo. <laughs> Love it. Alright, so let's get into the stats. You ready for the motherfucking stats? Yeah, I'm good. Okay, so the stats for Scrooge. Let's get Scrooged. Scrooge. I don't care. You want me to Scrooge you everywhere? (laughs) You Scrooged the world up now. We'll Scrooge it all back down. Ooh. (laughs) Okay, so this movie, Scrooge, dropped... In November 23rd, 1988, baby. Ooh, baby, baby. And the budget for this movie was $32 million. Okay. So that translated wow. into 2020 money. And that would mm-hmm. be $71 million about to make this movie. Okay. And it made $60 million, which in 2020 money would be $133 million. So it did. It did a little well for itself. It did. It did. And like thirty three million dollars is a lot of money during that time. Yeah, I mean, it would have to be that much for as many stars are in this movie, even like ones who just do semi cameo. Yeah, um, the salaries. I'm sure that was really really crazy. I mean, and hearing this though too, because it was such a big deal that Bill Murray was is the lead character and he had to carry it. Like, yeah, that's a lot of pressure. That's a lot of pressure. Uh, and for that kind of budget. But, I mean, it again, it pulled off. They, like, definitely came up in it. They did. So, Rotten Tomatoes. Mm-hmm. Are you ready? Absolutely. Critics, 71%. Classic. Classic <laughs> critics. Um, I feel like the critics, the big critics liked it. Maybe not all of them. I know Cisco and Eber liked this movie. Oh, they gave that's it surprising. T- yeah, they gave it two thumbs up, and they thought it was, like, a funny, nice, dark, you know, spin- <laughs> On this, I can never gauge those guys. I, I like can never really gauge can't. them like, either. Can, How could you I like really... give this two thumbs up, but then you looked at Home Alone and you were like, trash, trash. <laughs> Home Alone was terrible. Terrible. Don't like, waste your time. Like, you're like what the fuck? Not, it's completely unrealistic. <laughs> not that Scrooge. It's not a good movie because it is a great movie, but I mean, like... Oh, it's a great movie, but... How could you not, like... I just can't gauge these guys. I, I just can't. don't get it. I don't know what makes them happy, and you know what? I'm okay with it. I'm okay with I'm it. I'm okay with never knowing it. Yeah. So, the audience... Why the, yeah, tell me how the audience feels. The audience gave it 71%. This is the first time that the audience and the critics are... Whoa. Head on. I've ne- yeah. I've never seen that on any of the movies that we've done, but yeah, seventy one, seventy one on both sides. Whoa, I've never heard this happen before. Okay, <laughs> right? All right, we got a first time here. Well, I do kind of get. I mean, as popular as Bill Murray was and is, because he's a he's classic. He's an old fashioned, if you know what I mean. <laughs> yep. The notary of this film is very like niche. Like this is a lot of players that are like comedians and like old beautiful snl writing it's a classic so i can kind of see a lot of like a pop it's not it wasn't going to go mainstream it definitely was a niche for people so i guess i can kind of see why there'd be like a 71 percent because it's not like a blockbuster mainstream happy-go-lucky movie this movie is kind of insane (laughs) 
and very chaotic, which I love. But I don't think that that's what they wanted. I think they went completely full out to make this like a fun mainstream movie, especially by the names of people that are in this movie and the name of the director who is in the like directed this movie. It was meant to be a huge, big blockbuster um, to withstand the test of time. Which, for mm-hmm. us, people like us, we fucking love this movie and yeah. get a kick out of it and watch it every year. Sometimes I watch it, not even in December, like, because it's such a good, it's a good one. But it's, it's so good. I think that people didn't know. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I, I would say that despite the fact that it being pretty dated, especially with the costumes, especially with the jokes, it still stays pretty contemporary, though, as well. Like, I like that a lot of the same issues and problems that come up in the film are very relative to what is happening now. So that's what makes it, like you said, timeless. It's a kind of a a blockbuster film that will always stay pretty pretty well-known because it, it continually keeps on teaching us the lesson that it sets out to. But I think that also has to do with it being a Christmas carol. What's the ZZ Fresh say? Oh, the ZZ Fresh for this movie is going to be a 96. I think it's great. I think it's funny. I do think that in some parts, you're right, is definitely dated. Yeah. Especially in like the stars and people that they used. It's a very good snapshot of the late 80s. Like Mm -hmm. (laughs) In that sense. So it loses the nostalgia for me on that part because I don't really relate to some of these people. But the story is great. I love Bill Murray, so he can do no wrong in my book. Mm-hmm. And I think that it, it hits all the levels of a Christmas movie that you want. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I would have to agree. I feel like my Lenny Zest would give it, I would say like a, like a 90. It's a solid. It's a solid movie for me. I don't know. I, I Ever since we went, I've been trying to be a little bit more tough with my ratings. I don't, because I can't just, because I classically want to just give every single one of them like 100%, 100%. Like, I love this movie. And especially because I picked this movie and I like really, I love this movie. Like, this movie cracks me up. Yeah. It makes me, it makes me laugh so hard. It gives me all the feelings at the very end with the monologue. Oh my God, his ending monologue is so good. Yeah. Um, even though, yes, see it is, it's dated. So you're just like, damn it. There's just some things. Yeah, there's just the, the, a couple of times you're just like, oh, okay. But then there's just like the flat out funny parts like the Kama Sutra when she gets in the book. And they're just like so silly together. He's like, I and... heard there's a spot that you could touch on a woman and make her bark <laughs> like a dog. And she just starts barking. <laughs> and then she just starts barking and you just love her. And that's when you realize how much they really did love each other. It's yeah. so cute. Um. So yeah, so... I would give it I would give it like a good 90. It's like a solid Christmas movie. It's my favorite besides the Muppets Christmas Carol because that one we watched a lot as little kids. <laughs> as and that I. one is so that I like the Mickey Mouse one. Oh yeah, there is the Mickey Mouse one with mm-hmm. Donald as Scrooge. Oh my god, a little like the little Mickey that's tiny Tim. It's oh Scrooge McDuck. That's what it is. Uh, yeah, Scrooge McDuck. But um besides like the Muppets this is like my favorite version of a Christmas Carol. It really I've never is. been that big of a fan of the story. Yeah, although I, I kind of do love like the creepy essence of like the past, the past, present, and future ghosts that come to him, and ugh, I totally love that. I story. just feel like when 
the reason why I like this one is because it's a modern day take on it and it's not yeah. the old one. So the old fashioned one. The old fashioned one with the rattling of the chains. Remember when the ghost comes and he's rattling yeah. chains? Like, yeah. I mean, I guess I like the Jim Carrey one. That one was pretty good. Oh, yeah. Oh, that was a good one. That was pretty good. See, they are, they, you got to give it up for the Christmas carols. They they really do show a solid, it's a solid Christmas tale that kind of always can evolve into all these different stories that everyone can relate to. Like, you don't necessarily love this Christmas carol, but there's another Christmas carol that you can be like, oh, that one was so good, mm, though. I like that. I like that, and I remember Like a Dino's and- Christmas carol. <laughs> <laughs> You can do Stop. it on every one. I like that one too. It's pretty good. I love that. That's hilarious. <laughs> so good. Uh, it's a Williams girl. Yeah, baby. So we so can just kind of move on and I could talk to you a little bit about the original Christmas Carol since we're on, on that topic. Absolutely. So a Christmas Carol is one of the oldest Christmas stories that we still talk about today. And it was done by Charles Dickens. The man who wrote us so many great stories over time. And oh, this, oh, sweet Dickens. Yes. And so The Christmas Carol came out in December 19th, 1843. So in a week from today that we're, or 10 days from today of when we're recording this, it will be the 19th and it will be 176 years since this story has come out to the world. Cheers! Ah, 176 right? years. 176 years. Cheers! Wow. So your great, 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 great grandparents were fucking hearing about this story. Oh, I love that. So Charles Dickens, he wrote a bunch of stories that were big in the earlier 1800s, and yeah, dude, he, his like novellas were crazy. Popular, yeah, he's known right? for his novellas. And he gained fame and he did tours around the world and he was like, you know, a millionaire. But then some of his stuff that he started putting out, nobody wanted to read that shit. And so he was losing his money because life goes on, but your money is only so much. So he went and someone asked him to speak at this place where lower class people can listen to educated people speak kind of like a ted talk like the first ted talk (laughs) okay (laughs) that's what it sounded like to me yeah and so he went there and he like spoke and kind of noticed the man that was running it is kind of like a scrooge dude who you know kind of just saw everybody for their money and didn't really care about them and stuff like that Mm -hmm. and he tells everybody out there like you don't even realize that you within you coming here to get the knowledge you're also giving money to this evil man kind of deal. So when he left, he started walking through the streets and realizing that, you know, people were super poor, um, that children had to work in factories, which he had to do as a child. And Mm -hmm. that, you know, he came from a working class family. And so he decided he wanted to write this tale. And so he did. Within six weeks, he wrote A Christmas Carol and he was done. And he went to his publisher and was like, all right, publish this shit. And they were like... Well, your last stuff just wasn't slap. Like, it hasn't been slapping. So we're, <laughs> like, definitely, we're going to pass on this Christmas carol. We're going to pass. Oh, my God. And this is also in the time of the way Christmas has been, was changing 
you know, it was the this is supposed to be the modern day Christmas carol um, because Christmas was different. You know, they just started bringing Christmas trees in around this time as mm-hmm. decorations, things like that. So the Christmas was starting to turn into a Christmas that we know of at this point in history. And this story had a lot to do with that as well. So he couldn't get anybody to publish it. So he was like, I'll fucking do this my shit myself. I don't need nobody. Fuck yeah, he did. That's so, some like entrepreneurship right there. Yeah, he's like, I got a little money left. And he printed it and dropped it on December 19th, 1843. And by December 24th, it has sold out. And it, like everybody wanted it. So people who got it for Christmas oh were God. like real special. And, you know, he would do reenactments reading of party. reading yeah. parties and he was known for being a great actor and playing all the parts and reading and all the stuff and so that's kind of how a christmas carol kind of blew up because of oh, his passion cool. for this story and like you said it is one of the oldest christmas stories that we know and still say today just mm-hmm. like our old fashioned is like the oldest cocktail that we still drink today yep <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, I love it. That's a little bit on the Christmas Carol, if you guys didn't know. I love that. Thank you. Yeah, there were some little nuggets in there that I was like, oh, my God. I didn't know that he had published himself the Christmas Carol. That was really cool. Yeah. He was like, bitch, someone's going to read this. Yeah. (laughs) And it's, I mean, it's such a time, too, to publish one of the best written classics a Christmas classic, something that brings families together and that families read together at night still. Like, I know, mm-hmm. like, people love to sing songs together, read Christmas tales and poetry together still on Christmas nights. And I know that a bunch of people are going to do it this Christmas, too. They'll do the Christmas Carol. And now they can watch movies of the Christmas Carol. And it's just, it's something that will be passed down. I'm getting sentimental. All right. Back to you. I know. It's getting closer <laughs> and closer to Christmas. I know. Okay, so moving in after the Christmas carols are your... So are you ready for it, girl? I'm ready. I'm like, I love this part. I love this part. It's time for some AKA. and Give it to me. Also known as are all the names for this movie in different parts of the world. So come travel with us as we talk about these movies. Let's do it. So if we would fly our way over to Finland, it would be known as Revenge of the Ghosts. Revenge of the Ghosts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. And right. if we went over to Italy, it would be SOS Ghosts. Yeah, I don't know about that one. Uh, I don't know about that one. <laughs> nice try, guys. Nice try. In Japan, it's called Three Ghosts. <laughs> <laughs> no? No! Because technically there's like four ghosts. Technically, yes. But only three of them help him see the arrow of his ways. This is true. This is true. Well, yeah. The three. When you go to Japan, you ask them about, about three ghosts. They'd be like, the Bill three Murray ghosts. movie. The Bill Murray movie. We love Bill, we love Bill Murray over here. They do. <laughs> they do love Bill Murray. They do. Was that where Lost in Translation was? No, that, no Lost in Translation is Japan. Yep. Make it a Santori time. <laughs> uh, I love Bill Murray in that film. It's so good. <laughs> So if you happen to go south of the border to Mexico, they're going to ask you about... Now, this is probably my favorite one. Mexico, 
You guys, I see you. I see you. <laughs> so in oh, Mexico, God. it's called The Ghost Strikes Back. It sounds like it should be like a Star Wars movie. That's why. <laughs> that's why I like it so much. The Ghost Strikes, strikes Back. back. Oh my mm. god, that's good. Yeah, Mexico. It definitely has a ring of, of Star Wars on there for sure. I love it. Return of the Ghost. Is that like... Ooh. <laughs> that's another one. Huh? Mexico, where were you at on that? I know. Come on. If you happen to go to Poland, it's called Christmas Show. I it's mean, a Christmas show. I mean, I mean, they're not wrong. They're not wrong. They're- it's a Christmas show about a Christmas show. Yeah. In a Christmas in show. In a Christmas show. Very meta. Yeah. It's very meta. <laughs> very it's a Chris it's a Christmas Carol themed film talking about the Christmas Carol. Carol. Mm-hmm. With Buddy Hackett. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> um so if you happen to go to West Germany, it's called The Ghost. That I called dot dot dot. <laughs> I can't That's make my up. favorite. That's, That's your my favorite. favorite. <laughs> the ghost I called dot dot dot. There's three dots. <laughs> oh my god! That's what is that? West Germany? Hey, what's up? <laughs> thank you, West Germany. You just made my night. Yes, for thank sure. you, West Germany and Mexico. You guys had some sick ass AKA. Oh yeah, Mexico. <laughs> the, seriously, I can't wait to go down to Mexico and be just talk about this movie with people. I'm like, oh, you know the Ghost the Strikes, Ghost Strikes Back. Back. <laughs> Don't you love that movie? Uh, it's not Christmas, ma'am. Like, uh, it is in my mind. <laughs> oh, I mean, next year when I fly to West Germany, I'm gonna ask him. Does anybody know where I could get a copy of the ghost that I called dot, dot, dot. (laughs) (laughs) And that is the um, AKAs for you guys this week. Wonderful. (laughs) I love those. I seriously love those. Those, I I think it's wonderful. (laughs) Yeah, it's something new I'm trying out. I think it's pretty fun. And it will help you be able to talk to people i mean obviously i'm not saying it in well, the correct language that these titles are done but you don't want me to no. butcher that you don't no 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 no. but also what i really appreciate is that um aka's are kind of like for me i love seeing movie posters in other countries because yeah. they have very specific they always are changing just like uh, art cover mm-hmm. for books are always different too but i love what looking at old movie posters and seeing like what the united states does and then what japan does and like what they do over in france they're always different there's these little because the advertisement companies are different over there and i like it so i, I really love this add-on of the aka's because it's such a it's such a thrill to see and hear what they call it over there yeah <laughs> yeah some of these be spot on and they're good some the of ghost are... I called. <laughs> dot, dot, dot. 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 <laughs> I, like, are they calling out to the ghost? Or the... <laughs> I don't know. That's why the dot, dot, dot is so funny to me. Because I'm like, so what, is, funny. what else are you trying to say? Why are we dotting? Like, what? Exactly. Okay. <laughs> so now that we're <laughs> thoroughly <Not really>. laughing, <laughs> let's move on to our direct act. Yeah, let's go ahead and get into our, our cast and crew and, and the making of this beautiful masterpiece. Masterpiece. Um, so the director, Richard Donner. I mean, I do think of the Donner party, party eating each other. 
I that's whenever I ever hear his name, I'm always like, oh, like the Donner Party, the Weedy, like. <laughs> but um, Richard Donner, like you're gonna know him from the classic horror, The Omen. Yep. From 1976. Like, that's, like, a big one. He also uh, directed Christopher Reeve and in, in Superman, uh, the original 1978. And then he's known, personally for me, The Goonies. That was... There you go. Ooh. The Goonies, for sure, in 1985. That one, for me, I'll always recognize as his movie, for sure. And then he did... I mean, this, I only had thought he had directed a couple. It was you who brought to my attention that he had directed every single Lethal Weapon. He is king of Lethal Weapon. So if you like one through four, this man directed all of them. In fact, he directed Screwed in between Lethal Weapon 1 and Lethal Weapon 2. So this was his movie in between it. That's amazing. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, I wish I had his schedule. I wish that I, I could multitask as well as that man can. To be able to, like, run that shit, like, another movie and this film at the same time. It's I crazy. mean, it was literally just back, back, back to back to back to back. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I mean Lethal Weapon 1 came out in 87. This came yeah. out in 88. And Lethal Weapon 2 came out in 89. Like, it was literally yeah. back to back. It's um, amazing. But, yeah, he does some greater shit. I really also love that movie, Lady Hawk. Did you ever watch that with Matthew Broderick and Michelle Pfeiffer? Oh, yeah. It's like a dark fantasy uh, film. It's it's very cool. He did uh, that one, too? He he was also a director and producer on that. Okay. Yeah. He just, like, he, he pops up in such interesting little places. And I totally forgot he did The Toy with Richard Pryor. Oh, I love that. That movie could never be made today, but it is very no. funny. <laughs> this little rich white no. boy bought a black man at a toy store. He was just it's... in the toy store, like, cleaning or something. He wasn't even... He's not a toy. <laughs> He's not a toy. But the man buys him. He buys him. He also did Maverick. Remember that yeah. Did you enjoy I do. that one? Yeah, he, he works a lot with Mel Gibson. Yeah, I, I noticed that, that he has kind of like a trend. But I mean, most directors like to do that when they find an artist they like to work with, right? Yeah, I mean, it's easy to speak that language to them shorthand so you don't have to worry. I mean, he hasn't wonder, done much directing in a very long time, I guess. I guess he's older. He's just chilling. Well, I heard that they're going to do another Lethal Weapon. <gasps> oh, my God, yes. That was like they have to pull them out? They better be out of retirement, like... He better not still be working and be like, I'm too old for this shit. Even though Gibson and Glover were like, I don't know, kind of hesitant, I guess, for the story. I think recently, because the whole revival thing has been like really taking off and people are really getting nostalgic for all the old stuff, that they were able to kind of pull them back in. So they're in talks, but I believe it's going to happen. I want another Goonies. I know. Uh, but the I last thing that he it. did do was 16 Blocks in 2006 with yeah. uh, Mostef and Bruce Willis. That was a good one. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's recognized as doing some great cult classics, some like awesome films. The thing that I saw the most when I found fun facts about him was just all the movies that he either turned down doing or was up for directing like literally that's what most of his fun facts on imdb was like he was up to direct terminator he was up to do he turned down this and you're like dang well give me some fun facts that aren't like movies he did not make <laughs> <laughs> but i did find one he worked on 
Gilligan's Island. That's why he does the little uh, trivia there. A little nod to it. A nod because he was one of his first jobs. That is really, really cute. The, um, I mean, notoriously what I, what I had talked about for him, uh, was the fact that it's not to say that him and Bill Murray didn't get along on this set because we don't know what happened exactly. They just said that there was a little bit of tension sometimes. Uh, I, I heard creative differences. Um, yes. <clears throat> like Bill Murray Nothing- won it one way and Donner won it another way. And they kind of clashed on it. And Donner also had a hard time roping in Bill Murray to even get him to do kind of what he needed him to do. Yes, because Bill Murray, as we know, is definitely an improviser, improvisationer. He loves to be off the cuff. He loves to, you know, ad lib as much as he can. So, I mean, he made up most of the line, his lines in this movie. Yeah. So, you know, that's easy for someone to take and not easy but it never like turned into like blows or like insults no. but i don't think either one of them enjoyed really making this movie that makes no. me sad because i really enjoy this movie i know exactly and it was such a big film for bill murray so yeah. you know that he probably was putting a lot of attention and heart into it even though he was a little skeptical about doing it in the first place he was like fine whatever i'll do it and, I mean, Donner appreciated it, too. He's, like, a, a superb creator, I think is what he called him, right? He's a, super crea- he's a yeah. superb creator, but occasionally difficult. and But not any difficult of any other actor. Most actors are difficult. Or director or, you know, any artist. Yeah. We are difficult when it comes to our craft and yeah. our finished product. And some people it's- can take criticism or working as a, a team to reach your goal and then some people just can't do that they're like look it's my way or the fucking highway and i feel like they were both alpha males and it was just kind of hard for either one of them to back, back down on what they want or saw for this movie um yeah. <clears throat> but i know that donner was you know he's not that bad of a boss to work for i mean i i didn't read or have heard too much about working with him on set but when making this movie, this movie, they started filming this in the beginning of December 1987. That's when this movie started filming. And Donner, he wanted to give his cast and crew Christmas off. You know, that was always in his plan. And Paramount, they were like, no, girl, you're starting out now. So they might as well work through Christmas. And so we can get this done. So he's like, okay, fine. That works. So on Christmas Eve, the end of shooting, everybody's about to go home. And he's like, oh, by the way, everyone, you're fired. You're fired and you're fired and you're fired and you're fired. Like, everybody go home, you're fired. Oh, my God. So he fired everybody so that the next day, which was Christmas, everybody was unemployed. And with their families. And with their families. And then on the 26th. He hired everybody back. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, perfect! Yeah, think of the paperwork. Oh my god, I know the poor lady <laughs> who had to do all of that shit. She had to work on Christmas because she had to fill out all those. <laughs> that was good. Yeah. That was good. What I bet he happen? like did that, and he was like, "But you guys are working on New Year's Eve. I don't want to hear bullshit from you, and you will be here on New Year's Day." <laughs> <laughs> okay, I can't fire you twice in one month. I just can't. No. <laughs> Oh my god. 
That is too fun. He's, I mean, that sounds genuine. Christmas sure. spirit. I mean, Christmas making spirit. them work, I'd be like, you want me to be Scrooge? Like, that's what you want? You want yeah, me to exactly. be Scrooge as I make this movie about Scrooge? No, thank you. No, <laughs> I'm thank not you. doing it. So. I don't want to be that boss. Don't make me be that don't boss. Don't make me be that boss. And that was a great loophole. So I like that. And there actually is like a whole line. Remember, uh, he goes, he's like, I mean, who? I'm, I'm the guy who made people work on Christmas Eve here. What kind of, a, of a, a rat bastard idiot would schedule a live show on a Christmas Eve? Only you, Frank. Yeah, made <laughs> yeah, somebody work on Christmas. That yeah. was you. <laughs> oh, yeah, it was. Oh, yeah, thanks. Thanks, Fred. And you know who it wasn't? No. <laughs> Richard Donner. It, it was wasn't not him. <laughs> Richard Donner wouldn't do it. Mm-mm. I like that call out. I mean, I heard that he was a great director on Goonies, too. Apparently, he was really good with all the kids. Yeah. You, you can't be crazy with the kids because the kids are already crazy and they're having a hard time just fucking <laughs> focusing. I can't have your ass running around here <laughs> like yelling at me. You can't yell at kids because they'll shut no, down. No, you can't. The only other fun fact that I have uh, with him kind of involves uh, another actor that we can talk about just briefly or we can wait later, but Robert Mitchum. Do it. So Roger Mitchum, he's a big time old Hollywood actor and they want him to make a small, like what you'll realize about this is that Bill Murray takes on the entire film for himself, right? But the cameos are legendary. These one-off characters coming in, just showing up. And one of them would be the legendary uh, Robert Mitchum. But at first he was like, you don't need me for this film. I don't need to do this film. I don't want to do this film. So Richard Donner is just like, what? Hold up. Hold on a second. Let me get you in a room with Bill Murray. He's going to be playing the lead character. He wanted to meet you. You'd be working off of him. Please can like come in. Let's talk. And as soon as Bill Murray walks into like the meeting, it's handshakes, stories, laughs having a good time having a ball and Mitchum's like all right I'm doing this film because and as Donner said everyone is just mesmerized by Bill Murray and just want to be in everything that he does which I, I can totally understand I he has feel that. like as much as I've like lived my entire life in Southern California I'm surprised I haven't ran into Bill Murray anywhere I know I'm surprised too <laughs> Like, because he's, like, known for just, like, popping up at people's weddings, you know, going to a bar and buying everybody around. Like, he's just known for just being, like, and I feel like I should have, like, come across him in some way. Like, oh, my God. I'm putting that out in the ether, though. 2021. I'm meeting Bill Murray. Hell, yeah. I, I, I fully support that. I want that to happen, for sure. A close encounter. Yeah. I will give you my... As soon as it happens, you guys are the first one to hear about first it. First to know. I'm not even going to call you when it happens, Lenny. I'm going to wait so you can hear it what? on air. Yeah. Oh, my God. You'll blow my mind. I'd be like, I'm sorry. We need to do an emergency show right now. <laughs> oh, my God. I'd love it. <laughs> I would freak out. Bill Murray. Let's talk about fucking Bill Murray. The man's a legend. He's a classic. Yeah. And I think a stand-up, I think he just might be a, a nice dude. Like, just chill. Most down-to-earth. He is down-to-earth. He is stubborn, from what I hear. <laughs> he is. He loves to drink. I believe he loves champagne as well. So we are kindred spirits. I actually, I, did, I think I did hear that he always travels with a, a champagne close by. Yeah, he loves which champagne. Which is so you. That is so you. <laughs> we're Kendrick Spirits. That's why I think we're going to be good friends. I'm going to buy oh. him the cheapest bottle of champagne I can find. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
I ain't got no money, money like that. that. I ain't got no money for that. <laughs> I love it. I'd be like, you want some I of this Andre's? It. I bought this whole bottle for you. Six dollars. <laughs> anyway. I mean, we've talked about Bill Murray in the past. Like, this isn't going to be the first introduction or the last, no. I'm sure. We definitely talked about him very, very briefly in Little Shop of Horrors. And we talked about him in Space Jam. But oh, okay. We, yeah, that's right. That's right. But we have not had a movie where he was the star that we know and love him as. Mm-hmm. So this is a huge deal because it's the first time he's holding his his own on his own film. Uh, it's right after he's done the first Ghostbusters. And mm-hmm. he's obviously been on SNL for years. He mm-hmm. was from season two to season five. Anyone who doesn't know. But I mean, that's pretty he much did. like he... the start of our man. He took over for Chevy Chase because Chevy Chase only did Saturday Night Live for one season. He was like, I'm like the best. Yeah. I'm out of here, bitch. Uh, Bill Murray <laughs> is the one who jumped off took, immediately. Yeah, Bill Murray took his spot on there. Um, I learned something about him this week is that, you know, after he did all of these movies that we like love and, you know, like Caddyshack and Saturday Night Live and Stripes and Meatballs, all those movies, you know, he was honing his comedy chops, right? And mm-hmm. they wanted him to do Ghostbusters. And he was like, you know what? I don't I don't really want to do Ghostbusters. And they were kind of pushing him to do it. The studio really wanted him to do it. And he told them, no, I'll only do it if you will produce a passion project that he had called Razor's Edge in 1984. And he was like, if you pay for me to do this movie, once I'm wrapped with that, I'll go do Ghostbusters and it'll be fine. And he did that and mm-hmm. Ghostbusters blew his ass up and made him like a household name. And, you know, there's cartoons and he's on lunchboxes and everybody loves them. <laughs> and yeah. when The Razor Edge came out, it's a serious movie and it didn't do too well from what I hear. And it was a big flop. No, It kind of hurt him emotionally. He felt like he didn't really know what he wanted to do and he didn't want to be like this clown all the time. He had just recently got married and had a child. And so he left and he went to Paris for four years until he was about to have another child. And he moved back to the States and was like, okay, maybe I should do this movie. This sounds fun. And so that's kind of how <laughs> the mind frame that he's like coming from when he's making this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that was what's... That- that's what's really cool is that they wanted him to do this film, though, too. And we're trying to contact him for like a whole year to come back to do this film because he would be great for this film. And he kept on saying no, like he wasn't sure if he ever wanted to go back to that Hollywood life and just was enjoying himself. And finally, they were just like, please just read the script. And he read it and he's like, all right, but you got to rewrite it. <laughs> and he asked for like a bunch of rewrites on the script Inevitably, it didn't even matter because he ad-libs like half of the film. <laughs> yeah, I read that he read the original script, hated it, ripped it up into a bunch of pieces. Ripped it up. And it like littered his front lawn like with the scripts for this. And he was like, do it again. Mm-hmm. I think that by the time they brought him the script back, he was just like, I can build on this. Like, you yeah. know, he's like a Robin Williams where like, this is just a jump off point, right? It's not really yeah. what I'm going to say. <laughs> Mm-hmm, exactly. And usually directors are more than fine to just give that kind of actor, like, a lot of freedom. Like, we were talking with John Candy. Like, just let John Candy do his thing. He's going to have a good time. I think John Candy was a little – he was better at 
honing in what was happening and giving solid gold every time he was doing stuff. But Bill Murray's so, you know, radical. He's he's chaotic. Like, you just don't know what's going to come out. And you either roll with it or you're like, okay, again, Bill. Like, again, Bill. <laughs> I do think that we as film people know that. And if we had to work with yeah. Mr. Bill Murray, we would understand how we would have to go about it. Like, okay, he's not going to say these lines on the page. He's going to say something something like it, but better. And, you know, he's just going to... You can kind of give him a direction, but just kind of let him do his thing. And when you're yeah. a director who is very hands-on and you're like, this is what the script said. This is what we're doing. I want it like this. Those two things clash and you can't know how to reel him in. I think that what... Mm-hmm. Donner did that was kind of I think a good thing but also backfired for himself is that he kept telling Bill like bigger bigger I want it bigger yeah. and you can't he's not a person to tell that to because he's going to get too big he's already yeah, way exactly. bigger than everybody else on screen no matter what anyway just that's just him mm-hmm. but you keep telling him to go bigger and it was kind of irritating Bill Murray as in the front like oh, you want more like this is just ridiculous and then that's when you get, you know, him frustrated and just like, it's too much. You can tell that he's unhappy now that I know. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And how like frustrating can that be? Especially because the content of this film is already so elaborate, so crazy, so out there. And like, you're going to play it big, but too big. Like, you don't want to come off corny and ridiculous. So I think they were trying to find that balance between what was big enough for the director and what Bill Murray wanted to deliver as his final character product, basically. And I think they did a really good job. I think Scrooge, and it, well, I always love calling him Scrooge, even though he's not he's Scrooge. Not. <laughs> but yeah. Chris uh, Cross, sorry, Cross. I think that Murray did that really, really well. And I love how he was able to bring this funny guy, professional, like, jackass, president exec and at the very end he like comes full circle and he's like i know what i did like i know why i'm bad like it's so that end monologue is so incredible it's so incredible and you can tell that it's like off the cuff like Mm -hmm. at least that's how i feel like you can see him searching for what he's really trying to say to convey to everybody it's not like he's just reading off and it's memorized he's just like and it's just like and if you if you give then you, then it can happen. Then the miracle can happen to you. It's not just the poor and the hungry. It's, it's everybody who's got to have this miracle. And it can happen tonight for all of you. If you believe in this spirit thing, you, you, the miracle will happen. And then you'll want it to happen again tomorrow. You won't be one of these bastards who says Christmas is once a year and it's a fraud. It's not. It can happen every day. You've just got to want that feeling. And if you like it and you want it, you'll get greedy for it. You'll want it every day of your life. And it can happen to you. Uh, 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 like, he just, <laughs> you know, he just can't get it out. And no, that's right. I love it. And, and that is my favorite scene. And then when, especially once I bust into singing, I'm like all about it. Yeah. Um, my One of my super cute little fun facts. Because we were just talking about how, and, and you guys talked about it on the co- podcast that he was in Little Shop of Horrors. Mm-hmm. And... This was around, I believe, filming right after he had just finished filming for Little Shop of Horrors. And he only has the tiniest little cameo, but he totally does a call out to the film, which I absolutely love at the very end 
when uh, they're doing the final ending song, he, he calls out, he's just like, you like it's so cute yeah. i love that call out i was like yes last little shop of horrors yeah well that whole end all of that is all ad-libbed especially that part yeah i think he was oh, yeah. just like just saying stuff but towards the end he's just like i don't know here <laughs> take it because <laughs> that was the last scene that they filmed that yeah. was their last shot that they filmed on set that was the last shot, and afterwards they had like a nice little party, I believe, like a rap party on on this on the soundstage. Yeah, so I heard. Yeah. Um, but Bill Murray like definitely did like some of the coolest, one of the coolest things ever, and it took me many times watching it to realize what the fuck I'm even looking at. Let's talk about that golf ball, girl. Oh, I know. So if you pay attention into his glass, oh my God. you can see that the golf ball is already in his cup by the time he's putting it in his mouth. So he is legitly drinking what's in the cup and sliding the golf ball into his mouth without looking yeah. too crazy, swallowing it was the so liquid smooth. and then re-emerging the golf ball. And that's all in one take. It's very well done. And that was all Bill Murray. He did that. That's amazing that he didn't need any like trick of the camera. Nope. He just had it perfectly. I liked it. It was a little like a Caddyshack call out. <laughs> they did talk it about that. Like a- it was a Caddyshack <laughs> call out since, you know, that was one of his big movies at the time. So he did like a freaking awesome job. I love it. And I think that it's a brilliant scene because you're just like, oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. How did they do that? Oh, my God. I know he's quite skilled. Way to uh, open that mouth. Oh, boy. Oh, baby, baby. Oh, hello there, stud. Um, <laughs> I do have another Bill Murray fun fact, though. Yeah, give it away, please. Bill Murray fun fact. <laughs> fun facts. So, um, Bill Murray. So, the scene when he dumps the water on the waiter because he thinks that he's on fire. Oh, yeah. And he says, I'm sorry. You know, I thought you were Richard Pryor. Sorry, I thought you were Richard Pryor. So when he says that line, he's referring to the black comic Richard Pryor, who in the 80s was freebasing cocaine and set himself on fire and ran down the street on fire and had to be put out and called the ambulance. And he was he's he was fine. But yes, so that is what that joke is about. If you didn't know that millennials, he's making fun of. Yeah, Richard Pryor, Richard Pryor who set himself on fire smoking crack. So. Yeah, um, he had like a drug-induced psychosis that like <laughs> made him pour a hundred and fifty-one proof rum all over himself yeah. and set himself on fire. Yeah. So yeah. Where were his buddies? <laughs> Bill Murray so wasn't there to dump an ice bucket Bill- on him or whatever, a cup of water. Oh my god! <laughs> but after he dumps him with water, he's like, "Sorry, yeah. I thought you were Richard Pryor," and then leaves. <laughs> He slips and he falls on the way out of the restaurant. That is all real, oh. you guys. He really Stop fucking... It. No, it's not. Yes, it is. That's not <laughs> planned. There was still oh resistance of water on the fucking floor. So the fool was trying to just exit. And he like slipped, oh caught God. himself, and then like slipped again and like fell. And that's the take we see in, in the movie. So that's real. <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> that's amazing. I love that. Yeah. I didn't know that he slipped and fell and that was real. That's too funny. That's real. That's no acting. 
That's Bill. No, it isn't. Bill Murray does his own stunts. <laughs> <laughs> and I love this. I love that this film was kind of like a little SNL reunion. Like Bill Murray got to be reunited with like uh, the two lead SNL writers during his time. I feel Mitch like- Glazer and uh, Michael O'Donoghue. No, I feel like any movie that has a big SNL star as the lead is going to have at least one or two SNL people in it or writing it or something like they they keep their circle real tight. Um, I see that through generations and not just like, oh, you know, the ones between 2000 and 2010. No, I'm talking about like from the 70s until now, they keep it tight. And when you see a movie that has a snl star in it pay attention and be like oh yeah they were on snl oh yeah they're on they were on snl too like they they keep them working you'll see it Mm -hmm. yeah and i always love counting it i always be like oh where's it there's gonna be another one around here (laughs) and adam sandler does it a lot so did uh chris farley i mean they all do it yeah no they all do it i mean like look at look at maya rudolph and and bill Hader, maya rudolph and and mm -hmm. tina fey and amy poehler yeah, they keep each then, other working. I love it. Yeah. Will Ferrell. Mm-hmm. Kate McKinnon. She'll have a lot. Yeah. they All of them. Literally, now all that you them. know, you will not be able to unsee it. Yeah, you can't unsee it. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a little, it's like a, it's a cool family that you kind of get to build. It's really, it's really neat how Lauren brings all these people and all these comedians together and they kind of just always have each other. Yeah. Because you'll see like work. SNL people through generations, put old, like, SNL people in their movies. You're like, oh, shit. Like, they haven't been on here <laughs> since, like, the 80s. Like, well. <laughs> Do you have any more Bill Murray fun facts? Because I, I got... No. No, you good? We'll talk more about Bill Murray in yeah, the Yeah, we're going to talk... We haven't even struck talk about any Wes Anderson film he does, which Wes Anderson is one of my favorite collaborators he works with. So we're going to get into Bill Murray a lot later, for sure. I mean, yes. And hello, Groundhog's Day. <gasps> Groundhog's Day. Groundhog's Day. I'm what about so Bob? excited. Um, Kingpin. He's King the worst Pin. gross hand, like, comb over bowler. I fucking love it. Yeah. We want to do Lost in Translation for sure. Definitely want to do Lost in Translation. And then like every single Wes Anderson film <laughs> of all time. I mean, I, love him everything. I don't know about everyone, but a lot of most of them, yes. Yeah, Shit. for sure. But yeah. But yeah. Okay. Bill Murray, you will be back. We love you. Keep Thank you, Bill. being alive. Do you know he has like eight kids? <laughs> I know, dude. I love that he named his firstborn Homer. Such a good name. Don't. <laughs> uh, I was thinking of the uh, author, but okay. <laughs> that is probably that who is... he did name it after, I would hope. <laughs> but I love that you initially went Simpsons. That's pretty Yeah, funny. that's that's what, <laughs> that's what uh, um but I do have a fun what? fact. Give me a fun fact, baby. Fun fact about our favorite line, or at least my favorite line. You can uh, you can hardly see them nipples. You can hardly see them nipples. <laughs> oh that's a good one. That is a good line. And he's like, and these guys are really looking. See, and these guys are really looking. (laughs) That's why I love that. It's It's so good. Because, like, Bill Murray doesn't skip a beat. And he's just like, and these guys are really looking. Like, they're like, wish they could see more nipple, and they can't. Uh, Yeah, come on. (laughs) You could definitely see her nipples. I don't know if anybody was looking. 
but they're there. <laughs> you can definitely see the top. You can see the top of the left nipple for sure. For sure. I was like, whoa, this is not yeah. meant for children. You can hardly see the nipples <laughs> was ad-libbed by the actor who said it. I can't remember his yeah. name. He is a character actor. You see him in movies all the time. But yeah, that was his ad-lib, which I think is, I can't imagine this movie without it. <laughs> I really can't. I know. It's it is a good line. You're right. I I I I do appreciate that line. It's it's pretty great. And these guys are really looking. And these guys are really <laughs> looking. Oh, good one. Good good fun fact. Mm. I guess we should move on to the the love of Frank Cross's life, Claire Phillips, aka played by the actress Karen Allen. Let's do it. Little Miss Karen Allen. You're going to know her from uh, Animal House. This classic. Called Indiana Jones. <laughs> oh, Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark? You, you might know her. You might have heard of her. <laughs> I mean, she doesn't have a huge repertoire. She's no. kind of a she's kind of a quiet actress, but that's, you know, she just appreciates doing the parts that she has and then she, you know, moves on, and does her thing. I think she's really well known for stage acting. As well. I mean, we did talk about her in one movie, Sandlot. I don't know if we really went into depth on her, but we most likely mentioned Oh, that's her. right. She was the mom in Sandlot. Mm-hmm. Oh, see? She just, like, pops up everywhere. Yeah. But she... Her acting technique is way different than Bill Murray's. And oh, from yeah. what I heard, that they, you know, had some, had some trouble. Because some people just can't improv off the dome and, you know, be able to work with someone who can do it just like that yeah and she kind of had a problem with that so working with bill on these scenes was probably difficult for both of them because he's trying to do his bill murray improving thing but was most likely trying to kind of pull it back pull it back and keep it to the script because she is more of a script person you know mm-hmm. theater person the theater you don't improv you say exactly word for word what is on the script you don't go yeah. off you don't none of that so when people are trained just like that and they don't have the improv background mm-hmm. it's difficult for them and i think that that's another reason why bill murray had trouble on this movie is because the movies prior to this he's working with snl people uh, comedians, yeah. his friends, Dan Aykroyd, who, yeah, who yeah. know him, and you know all these uh, Second City people, and he, who that's that was their life was just quickly moving and coming up with the next thing to go in yeah. into actually having to be in a movie where people expect you to do what in the, the script mm-hmm. was hard for him and everybody around him as well because, like you said, he carries this movie. Yeah. But I mean, it had to be a learning experience for him, too, which, you know, it can't it couldn't have been all that bad, especially I mean, she Karen Allen has such a she is a really well trained actress. I mean, she again, she was she comes from Shakespearean background, like that's what her focus was. And then she studied like Lee Strasberg in New York City. So you're talking about someone who took her art very seriously. So she's not coming in and not having fun, but she's going to be a little bit more of a different style than what Bill Murray is usually used to. So yeah. I'm sure that they had a chance to learn from each other. But even though things might have been difficult, I didn't read of any actual like bad no chemistry. You can see they have good chemistry still yeah. on set. They, they, they do work really well together. 
I feel like Bill probably liked her those scenes because he was lucky enough to pull back all the time on her scenes. He couldn't be mm-hmm. over the top. I mean, like the most over the top we see with her is when he comes into the homeless shelter and he's just like, I'm going to give you some advice, Claire. Scrape them off. You want to save somebody? Save yourself. Oh, well, that's a wonderful attitude to have on Christmas Eve. Merry Christmas. Bahamut. I think that's the most that he gets really big around here. Other than that, every time he talks to her, he's just like, hi. Oh, my God. You're just so delicate. And I just love you. Like, yeah. You know, <laughs> that's just kind of I sure. feel about it. But like, I feel like Bill Murray, he really had a problem with this movie. And I think that that was the main issue was Bill Murray having an issue with this project. He had an issue mm-hmm. working with a director that was the way that he was. I think he had an issue with the script entirely but had a new baby uh, his second baby coming on the way and was like oh shit i need to <laughs> we spent some I time in money. paris you know spending all that money for four years but girl we gotta get back at it yeah but he did say quote we shot a big long sloppy movie <laughs> and that is what bill mary yeah. how he feels about this movie said he didn't feel like yeah. it was what he signed up for and that a lot of the things the scenes between him and karen are left on cutting room floor there's more yeah. of like i read there was more of like a connection and like more emotion with their those two characters that were cut out of the movie so we don't really get to see that that's a bummer because yeah. i would have loved to see those i would have loved to see those scenes yeah i really appreciated i really appreciated them i i again i thought their chemistry was wonderful yeah they had a good one even though even though they had difficulties, it, they still pulled through, which I really appreciate. And that's Karen Allen, though. Like, I mean, Bill Murray, too, because Bill Murray is very professional. Like, regardless what we say about him, like, oh, yes. we can, he, he's professional amongst yes. all things. So I think he, like he said, he pulled, he was able to pull back a little bit because he wants to see his other co-star shine as well. Which I never would suspect that Bill Murray would try to outshine every single person in it because he wants to collaborate. He's an ensemble actor. Like he wants to see the project succeed. It's when people don't know how to talk to him because you have to have a sensitivity to artists. Like you have to be able to know how to talk to people, to collaborate, to not sound all knowy and like snobby and condescending on certain events. And Bill Murray is a very big creative artist. So you want to be able to collaborate and not just like order around. Yeah. And also, like I said, I think that we know now what Bill Murray brings to the table, especially, you know, he his career was good through the 80s and the 90s and then mm-hmm. sort of the 2000s. It dipped and, you know, our generation basically just lived off of watching Groundhog Day and Caddyshack over and over until Wes Anderson got him and made him into this like indie king that only comes out when he finds a script that he enjoys and wants to work on and a director that he wants to work with. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's something that's like unheard of. He doesn't have an agent. He has a 800 number. So if you, a small time indie writer has a script that you wrote and you know, Bill Murray would be the best at it. You can call that number a million times as if you need to and beg that fool to read your script and if he reads it and enjoys it he'll do it there's nobody like that there's no one it's unheard of yeah but that's how cool he is that's how fucking cool he is he's 
Bill fucking Murray. It's not Bob Marley. It's <laughs> <No>. Bill Murray. <laughs> Bill Murray. Oh, Bill Murray. But Karen, which we were talking about, she teaches yoga. She has a yoga foundation. No way. She would. Yeah, she also has her own clothing line and knitting line. So, yeah. Oh, girl, get it. I did not go in a deep dive to see what clothing it is because you girls have a shopping problem in December right now buying everybody Christmas <laughs> gifts. And I do not want to look at anything else for myself. So, <laughs> I will have to check that one I out later. That. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, cheers to that. Cheers to Karen. Cheers to Karen. She's a boss. She a boss. I got a fun fact for you. Oh, okay. All right. Here's a location fun fact for you. Frank. Frank's childhood home. Uh Uh-huh. It is on 41st Drive in Woodside, Queens, New York. And the reason why they picked this neighborhood and this house is because it was unchanged from 1955 to 1988, which is when this movie is set. So the 1955 is the time period when they go back and he's a little boy and he gets his veal. That, that's Aww. what it is. So that's why they picked that neighborhood because it, it was unchanged within that time. I bet it's gentrified mm-hmm. and changed and, you know, there's something there. I don't know. I'm, I don't know. You're from no there. No doubt. <laughs> <laughs> you live there no, no doubt that it's going to be gentrified at this point yeah there is a lot of areas like pockets of new york that you wouldn't realize that just if you go down the street it's industrial and there's a lot of studios like right around the corner from where i was living in bushwick there was a huge studio right down the street there was always filming happening on my block because it was so easy for them to it's a it looks like a city block in brooklyn really obvious and it was so close to the studio and it i constantly was seeing things filmed outside of my apartment building <laughs> hmm. that, yeah. so you just you'll catch them in pockets all over all over the boroughs like that happens so i don't doubt it but like things keep on popping up around those studios and you're at, new york just keeps on sprawling outward more and more you mean upward. <laughs> upward. Aroundward. Aroundward. <laughs> Undergrounded. So I just kind of want to break down the timeline for you if you want to hear it. Yeah, give it to me. So, okay. So this film takes place between December 23rd through December 24th, 1988. That's what the present day okay, that, is. That's our um, present day. Yes. And the past, he goes back to... Christmas Eve 1955 to his house. This is where I grew up. I thought they tore this place down. They did. And then he goes back to 1968, which is when I'm thinking mm-hmm. he meets Claire, right? Oh, God, are you all right? Oh, you know, you, you probably shouldn't move someone who's had a bad blow to that. And then yeah. 69 is when there you have, she's in the bathtub, she gives him the Kama Sutra book. Uh, Kama Sutra. The Kama Sutra. The Hindu art of love. And then the next one is 1971, which would be him being the dog on the dog show. When he's the dog, the friskies or whatever he's called. What is he called? It's a he's bone! So- <laughs> it's a bone! <laughs> funny i was like are you serious like at first i was looking for him i'm looking for him i'm looking for him i totally forgot he was in the dog suit Mm -hmm. like i i don't know why i forgot but like i forgot i'm like oh yeah that's right he's in the dog suit loser (laughs) so that is the past 
And then the present, yeah. obviously, is Christmas Eve of 1988. No, I'm the ghost of Christmas present. And the future is, like, set between five and ten years. So, like, the 90s. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which, such an interesting take on what the 90s were to be. <laughs> I would have never guessed what the future was off of that. I never knew yeah. when I was watching this in the 90s that that was, we were in this. I always, I still thought it was the future. I don't know. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I'm still waiting You're for like, this oh. future to come. It's not here. <laughs> but yeah, it doesn't really t- give you a year or decade when the future is. But from no. what it says, it's about the flash forwards are five and 10 years. Mm-hmm. Don't let them burn me. <laughs> Please. Jimmy, don't let him burn me! Please don't let him burn me! Good timeline. It's a little bit of the timeline. Well, it helps us, too, like, moving into talking about the ghosts of Christmas past and Christmas present. Mm -hmm. They're super amazing actors that we have going on for the ghosts. I love the ghost parts. They're kind of my favorite parts of the film itself. Let's start off with talking about the ghost of Christmas past. I know absolutely everything, Frank. You see, I'm the ghost. <laughs> David Johansson, who we find out is like best friends with Bill Murray. And that's how he gets the role. Feeling hot, <laughs> hot, hot. Do, 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 right? <laughs> do, do, do. Is that it? Yep. And then it's sort of feeling hot, hot, Right? Is that his song? Am I wrong? No, that's him. He's right. known as Buster Poindexter. That's his music persona. Oh, that that one is his. I mean, he he is an artist of many talents. I guess. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. He was in the New York. He's in the New York Dolls, and then um, he's kind of like a punker, for sure. Hard rock, glam rock kind of guy. Feeling he's hot, hot, cool. hot. What are you talking about? His song is played on every cruise I've ever been on. <laughs> feeling hot, hot, hot. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Is that the Kaga line song? On yeah. <laughs> yeah. Every cruise I've ever been know. on, it plays. I haven't been on a lot of cruises. I've only been on a couple of cruises. I've been on three. And they all have some steel drums and they play this fucking song. Feeling hot, hot, hot. I am so down. <laughs> so this will, my favorite ever about like this guy though is the fun fact that I have on him. Well, not him specifically. It's more about what he's driving in the film. So he's the, the ghost of Christmas past. So as we remember, he's the taxi cab driver. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Yo, uh-huh. this is crazy. So the cab company is Bella Cab Company, right? That's okay. what's on the car. Mm-hmm. That's a throwback to the Charles Dickens novel because the cab that he's driving is the Bella Cab. And Bella was the name of Ebenezer Scrooge's first love in the original Charles Dickens and The Christmas Carol. Look at y'all hiding Easter eggs up in there and shit. Just a couple. Just a couple little Easter eggs. There wow. I know, isn't that really cute? And I love that. I, I love those old style cab- taxi cabs. Like, I always think of those specifically. And that one has always stayed with me because he has like the lights inside the car. And he's he like does. smoking it up and getting it all hot box. He's like, You don't mind if I smoke, do ya? He's like, I don't care. Just get paid <laughs> to the road. Just, just, just watch the road. Yeah. It's on the road, dude. Oh, it's so good. The I loved 
his portrayal of this ghost. It made me so happy. He did a very uh, good job. If uh, I didn't know that he was a singer performer, I would have never known because he does a great job. He is yeah. hilarious. Like I keep saying the the bone is the bone. Just seeing him like <laughs> super happy around these like little kids. It makes me laugh every time. Like never every fails. Time. Or where he tricks Bill Murray into thinking he can walk through the door but he can't. <laughs> like he does such bit. He did such I love a good that bit. He laughs so at funny. him and everything. Like he his is a very good Christmas pass. He literally sounds and looks like a New York cab driver. It was perfect. He did a great job and I appreciated it. Thank you. For that. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. I mean, he's, he doesn't have, he, he is an actor musician. He doesn't have a lot on his repertoire for acting. So this is like probably all, all we'll ever really see of him. Oh, he's in 200 cigarettes. He's the bartender. Stop it. He's the bartender? Mm-hmm. The tiki bartender. Get out of here. He was the bartender, dude. Do you remember Mr. Nanny? Hulk Hogan? No. Hulk Hogan? Oh, uh, uh, with, yes, I remember. I remember. He was a yes, bad yes, guy yes, in yes, that. Yes, yes, That's yes. right. Feeling oh hot, God. hot, hot. <laughs> <laughs> and Bill Murray is also in the hot, hot, hot music video as well, if you want to. Mm-hmm. What? But he's not my favorite ghost, though. My favorite ghost is the ghost of Christmas present. Of course Carol it is. Kane. Oh, my God. You mean your doppelganger? Basically, she's my perfection. She's everything I want to be and more. I want I you love to be her, too. I would love you to be Lily, her, in Unstoppable <laughs> Kimmy Schmidt. Oh, my God. Unbreakable. Oh, my God. Lillian. <laughs> Run, Lily! <laughs> run, Lillian! And she just like runs <laughs> off. Like, it's like my fucking Titus. favorite. She is my favorite. She is my favorite ghost in this one. From a yes. little child to now, I've always loved when she comes on. It just always. She, we talked a bit about her just like very briefly when we did The Princess Bride a couple months ago. Mm-hmm. But uh, she is phenomenal. I love her. Obviously, we're getting Glinda vibes. Right? Whenever she's in her beautiful costume. And I I believe that was, like, the point of it, too. Like, she even says in the line, she goes, I'm a little muddled. I'm a little muddled. <laughs> when she first meets Frank. And that's, like, a direct cl- quote from Glinda, the Good Witch, in The Wizard of Oz. Because that's what she oh, says to Dorothy when right. she first meets her in Munchkinland. So... She's got her little, like, Glinda Goodwitch, so you're getting that good vibe from her. But then she's being so brutal and so vicious she's the worst. To, to cross. It's so good. And, like, the, the levels of, like, seriousness that they took with it. Like, Bill, Bill Murray told her, do not hold back on any of the punches. I feel like Follow he, through. I feel like he, if you could go back in time, he would tell himself to not tell her that. Yeah. <laughs> no. Absolutely. Well, because he ends up going to the hospital. She, uh, during the scene when she grabs him by the lip, she went a little too hard and ripped off that little gum that holds your lip. lip. Yeah, it ripped apparently and he had to go to the doctor and then they couldn't film the scene for a couple of days because he was healing, which luckily your gums heal pretty fast. So whatever, Um, I would still be just not, I'm not about that. (laughs) <laughs> no, 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 no. I mean, she regretted it as well. Like there is, she, she's gone on record saying it, and like a lot of the directors 
a lot of the directors, the director, Richard Donner, and a lot of the producers even said that like, she felt such agony having to be that physically harmful. to not just Bill Murray, because she liked Bill Murray, it was her friend, but like, just in general, to be vicious like that. And she like, she would spend 20 minutes after a shoot of doing that, just like crying a little bit. Because she was, because she's just like, not a violent person. And this is why she's your doppelganger, man. I know. Lenny would Lenny would have definitely cried for an hour after shooting. Like I had to, I had to hit Bill Murray with a with stuff, and I ripped his lip. The toaster has his face dent on it now because I hit him so hard. (laughs) Is he gonna be okay? Is he ever gonna trust me again? I can understand being a uh, woman and being a not. You're not Meryl Streep, bitch. You know, you're no Sharon Stone. You're you're none of those. So, Mm-mm. you know, you are replaceable and your career could end at any moment. And you like injured a high profile, big name celebrity. Like I would be terrified too. like, I'm never going to work again. Nobody's going to ever want me to do anything because I fucking just ripped Bill Murray's lip off. I ripped his fucking lip off. Like, you know, like I would have just been so, yeah, I would have felt bad too. Yeah. Well, because this is like, she's only had so much notoriety at this point. Like, she did, she was nominated for Best Actress for the film Hester Street. That was from, like, 1975. Mm -hmm. So she has a little bit of credit of being serious and professional, but she doesn't have enough under her belt for people to be like, you can get away with whatever you do. Yeah. So... I can definitely see the ten, like, oh my god, the tension she must have been feeling. But like, also, again, Bill Murray told her to not hold back, like, don't go easy on him. So they wanted the shots. She did it. I mean, she see was, what you know with that. When people say that, someone gets hurt. So don't ever say that. Don't let your actors say that because you know what happens. You're gonna get a concussion like they did on fucking Princess Bride because you're like hit me on the head with the sword, and now the I take know. we have is you passed out because your dumbass was like I could take it. No, bitch. <laughs> we make this is make believe. We are playing. It's called to play. You know, it's called a screen play. Yeah. We're doing. We're pretending so we can make it look like we really hit you, but I'll have to really hit you. So I mm-hmm. I would I would feel upset about that too. Yeah, but I do have another fun fact about her though. I love this. Yes, please. So before shooting, Donner wanted her to do a very big and elegant and beautiful ballerina scene. She comes down where she said, oh, I'm a little muddled. That whole scene where she's he was like, I want this to be grand. So he Mm. sent this bitch off to learn how to do some ballet because she didn't know none. She didn't know. And when (laughs) she came back, it was not this big grand scene that he thought, but he loved it even more watching her try i don't think her counting where she's like one two three i don't think any of that is scripted i think that's really her counting for her dancing um and and it looks very amateur it looks like she's trying but it's just and it works really well with her character and so like even though it doesn't look like she's trying like if she just looks flawless at it she was just like no that's amazing she just exists in her own world in her own world yeah and so next time you look at that scene just imagine it could have been like princess swan over here that's funny he has this vision of this like incredible beautiful ballerina he's like look i want this to be the nutcracker up in here (laughs) 
go off, learn some ballet, and he came back and she's dancing like she's a third grader at like, you know, your local dance studio. It's so cute. I love it. <laughs> I love that's it. That's too that's too funny. She tried. And I, I always just thought that was part of her character. It was just like, ooh, she wants to be this elegant swan dancer, but you know, she ain't. Yeah. But she's not. But she's perfect. And I I love her. And we will be talking about her again, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. But she's fantastic. I just love her where she's like doing the like Zerber where she's like Zerbering his stomach. She's like and he's oh, like, oh, stop. stop. On his stop. I know. I know. And then he so does it to cute. someone. He's like, this is my new thing. <laughs> <laughs> That's my thing. I'm going to be doing this to everybody. <laughs> <laughs> he brought it back with him. <laughs> he did. He really did. He did. He's so funny. He's um, so cute. Okay. So I have a little fun fact Easter egg. Okay, yay. Ooh, you didn't I know you didn't see this one because I never I'm excited. Oh my god, okay. So when Frank's in the restaurant, he tripping and then he hears the clock strike twelve because he knows that the ghost is gonna come and meet him at twelve. And he looks yeah, at his noon. watch and it says noon. If you look at the other part, it says the date. And the date on his watch is November twenty third, not Christmas uh-huh. Eve, which it should be. Now, November 23rd should sound familiar because that is the day that it opened in the U.S. Aw, shoot. Yeah. Ah, that is so clever. Yeah, so they hit it there on his watch. So next time you look at it. I like that. That's pretty cute. I never noticed it. I never noticed it. I I didn't either. I'm going to look for it again when I watched. I didn't know that. That's super good. You're like, "Ah, it says November 23rd on there. It's supposed to be Christmas Eve. And it's not a continuity thing. That's an Easter egg. Yeah, that's thing. an Easter egg. <laughs> uh, Alfre Woodard is our next beautiful actress. Mm-hmm. I love her. Actually, one of her lines from the film is one of my favorites. The Ma, when are we gonna get a real tree? Ma, when are we gonna get a real tree? When they're free. When they're free. <laughs> I love that line too because it's literally my dad. My dad would have said some shit like that to us. About anything. Yeah, that's about- that's something that it reminds me of him. Like, I remember being like, when are we going to get, like, satellite, man? We're sitting here with a cable. Like, when are we going to get, like, a satellite dish? And he's like, when they're free? Like, that's total my dad. So that line, that it's just every Resonates. black person's mama or daddy line. <laughs> but yeah, oh, man, we definitely so talked dead. about her in the Spike Lee joint Crooklyn. Where she's the yes. mom, and I love her in it. I think she does such a fantastic job. But this woman's steady be working. She does a great job on this one, definitely. Yeah, she does. And she's a solid character. She's throughout the film. She's throughout the film. She looks out for Bill Murray's brother. Instead of giving him a yeah, janky towel like she gave herself, he got the VCR. I know. She could have gave herself a VCR, too. Exactly. But she, you know... She was already going a little bit against the gr- the traditional list. I know. He's like, towel, 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 VCR, towel. Most of these are towels. <laughs> Most of them are towels. Let's be real. Most of them are towels. I thought it was so funny. He's such a dick. <laughs> he's so stupid. She's like, what about my bonus? And he's like, you can have a towel and a face towel. <laughs> like, in a face rack. 
You're like, what the fuck? I, I know, and her daughters are like, what about that bonus, Mom? She's like, I'm drying my hair I'm with it. Hair <laughs> with like, it. Oh. How about the bonus that these kids should have got a VCR so they could have taped the stupid TV shows from the place they mama work? I know. <laughs> they don't want to watch that shit. I, I guess not. They don't want to watch uh, <laughs> when Santa kills Rudolph or whatever. What's it called? <laughs> the night the reindeer die. The night the reindeer die. I would actually watch that. I feel like that's an Arnold Schwarzenegger movie. <laughs> Girl, we go. We we need to just write it. We need to write it. And then like, I want Mrs. The Claus reindeer. as a badass too. Absolutely. But you want to hear a little bit of a fun fact? Tell me. So I thought this was really cute that her son. Grace's son, Calvin Cooley, can't speak. Like, that's kind of, he's the tiny Tim of the story. He can he walk is, without a crutch, but he can't speak. That's his crutch. But he can't speak. That's his little crutch. Causes his mom a lot of concern, whatever. He was named Calvin Cooley, though, because of U.S. President Calvin Coolidge, who was known as a man of few words. Ooh, deep with it. I know. Okay. And that's why. Okay. And that's why when his when he finally says his line, it's such a big deal. I know. Because he's a kid, man of a few words. This kid didn't have to fucking memorize nothing. Mm-mm. And he just looked like a really cute-ass Christmas tree. Don't plug him in. Plug him in. Don't plug him in. Yeah, Grandma don't give two shits. You know Grandma <laughs> be letting him run free-for-all when Mama ain't there. Oh, of course. <laughs> You ain't trying. Just as long as they don't beat up on each other, it's fine. Hey, if he didn't want you to do it, he would tell you. <laughs> That's what exactly. I would say. If you want us to stop, you're gonna have to tell me to stop because I'm not I'm gonna make you a <laughs> cute not treat. Going to. Plus, he's adorable. It's not like he's being actually tortured. He looks sad as hell too. He does make this little face. A little pouty I have, face. I have a photo of it because I couldn't help. You took a picture of it. He's so, so cute. Well. <laughs> Yeah, it's so cute. When I was looking up information about him, because I'm like, who is this cute little kid? Which I couldn't find a lot about, but I did find this, like, adorable photo of him. And then found out that why he was, the character was named Calvin Cooley. Is he in anything else? Mm-mm. This no. Is He's this like, look, it. I worked with Bill Murray. There's no beating that. I'm out of the game. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, I do think Alfred, I think she is amazing. Do you know, I got a little little fun fact on that one. So you know where the scene where Bill Murray goes into the elevator and he sees the fake ghost of the future that he thinks yes. is real, but really is just an actor for the show. Yeah. He jumps back in fright and he actually like elbows her in the face. And you can see <gasps> her like react like, oh, oh my God, like... But he just like, oh, no. just like, ah! and he like throws his arms back and it like hits her in the face. It's not planned, oh, but no. it's very funny. Oh my God, that's good. Yeah, she's like, oh, wow. like you can see her like, oh shit, I just got like elbowed in the face. I get paid for this. <laughs> I didn't sign off for this shit. <laughs> but she went along with it, didn't, it was still a good scene. It was, it was shot very well. It was a good take and they didn't want to retake it, so. Sometimes those honest responses, I mean, thank God she wasn't hurt. Yeah, no, it doesn't look like it was bad at all. It just kind of startled no. her. Like, oh my God. <laughs> I thought we were just That's an elbow. That's Bill Murray's elbow. <laughs> <laughs> yes, hello, elbow face. Um, <laughs> elbow face, I have one, thank you. I have one, I hope you're ready. <laughs> but well, I, I'm sure that we're going to talk about her. So much more in the future. She pops up everywhere. Love her. She's such a beautiful actress. And if you want to know more about her, because I go into 
more details of her in uh, the Crookline episode, which is a good family yeah. one as well. That is a good family one, too, yeah. I got a fun fact. What's another fun fact? Can we talk about the song that's featured in this movie? Put a little sure. love in your heart. Uh, 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 I don't know what the words are. Put a little... <laughs> and I'm drunk, so... And the world... Will be a better place for you yes. and me. Okay, so that song is a remake. The song came out in 1969, the original version nice. of that song. And yeah. uh, it was remade for this movie in 1987. And it's mm-hmm. by Al Green and Annie Lennox. And I think that their voices sound really good together. It's a strange but very good duet. Like, I would have never picked Absolutely. <laughs> no way. Like, I was surprised that, like, Al Green, oh, my God, you can hear his, like, beautiful, powerful voice come through. And then all of a sudden you hear Annie Lennox and you're like, what? Yeah, she, she <laughs> but I like her it. own on there. She sounded pretty good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. This song dropped out in October of mm. 88. And that song spent 17 weeks on the charts, peaking at number nine. But it did do some good. I love the song. And it worked really well with this. It's a Christmas song, but not really a Christmas song. It's, it says nothing about Christmas. It's just telling you to no. just be kind to people, which we should sing to each other all the time. It's exactly. not just in December, but apparently it mm-hmm. feels more like a Christmas song. And so it worked. The scandal behind it all is that by the time that the song came out, Al Green was now Reverend Al Green. And had given up secular music and the world of entertainment, but kind of found this as a good way to just kind of pop back in there. And he did. And I thought this was a great song, but his church and his community saw this as a portrayal and were kind of upset that he did it, went back and did secular music and not a gospel song. Oh, but it was just like right before he decided to give it all up. So like, Okay, I'd be mad if the song was talking about beating bitches and fucking and, you know, drinking and partying. Yeah, if it was something, you know, scandalous, I would be upset. Like, Reverend, you want me to come Mm -hmm. here every Sunday, but the song that I heard on the radio on the way here was you talking about drinking and fucking. Like, you know, it it would be, it would feel wrong. But this song is like such a positive song that you could sing Mm -hmm. it at church. I don't understand. (laughs) I don't understand. There you go. They did not Damn. put a little love I in their not, heart. They, I did not know about that little scandal. Al Green. Al Green out there doing secular music. Want to talk about briefly Mr. Bobcat? Yes. Ooh. Yes. Ooh. We'll just touch. We'll just talk a little bit. You know, not to get too crazy. I mean, I didn't know his name was Bobcat for a long time. Like, as a kid, if you would have said his name, I'd be like, who? Who? <laughs> Yeah, it definitely isn't his real. Like, I mean, I think it is his real name now, but that wasn't his birth name. The first time you're gonna, I recognize him as he's the voice uh, as one of the demons in Hercules. For sure, you mean Hercules? <laughs> <laughs> like, whenever I think about his voice, instinctively, I'll always think of his character in Hercules. But he is so funny. He's such a good stand-up comedian. I, I think he's hilarious. I always think of police academy that's probably the very first thing that like actually knew his face and his voice and yes hercules is close second but the police academies is where i first remember bobcat 
Mm-hmm. And I thought that he was great. I think he's funny. This movie, he does a great job. He does something that he normally doesn't do, I feel like, is that he pulled his performance back. Like, him and Bill Murray can't be fucking crazy at the same time. No. Even when he's working oh, with do. Bill Murray. He's... I think they let... He goes a little crazy. They they let they let him go off a little bit. Well, yeah, because like, he has right, a gun. Right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you have a gun, you go a little crazy. <laughs> He does a great job, but I do think that he, yeah. I mean, obviously his, his character is not supposed to be like a huge, huge, that's Bill Murray's. I mean, it's just, I love that he is a consistent character, especially like, let the man have a freaking drink. Like the very, the first couple of times, every single time he'd go for a sip, it breaks through the bag. You're like, no. That's why I added it to the drinking game, because you feel so yeah. bad for him, you need a drink. You feel so bad. You're like, God damn it. So, like, that's just really hard to watch. Like, But he's consistent, and then he comes back full circle to really bring Frank Cross to perspective. He's like, you think you're having a bad day? <laughs> I promise you, mine's been much worse. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, he's about to get his job back, and he's going to be single on the town, ready to mingle. I know. That bitch better not try to come back for him now that he's, like, a CEO she- or some shit. <laughs> yeah, she's gonna come back for that money, and he'll be like, "Okay." <laughs> I love his voice. It honestly, the, that's the most iconic thing about Bobcat is his voice. When you hear it, you recognize it. You know who he is, and yeah. he's such a character. And I, I've only heard nothing but great things about him in the industry. I've uh, only only heard nice things that he's very cool and down to earth. His voice is not yeah. what we think it sounds like. You know, he puts on his heirs for his his character yes that you know he's very smart that he's a director he's a good director and writer yeah about cat you are the shit he's directed a couple episodes of the dave Chappelle show which we're not watching on netflix or anything streaming at the moment but he did direct some of those and <laughs> he directed an episode of the aj and the queen Oh, nice. So he's still out there doing his best. I think he does a lot of stand-up directing for yeah. those and like stand-up specials, which he's like, mm-hmm. that's the person you would want. A old stand-up comic who's been out there and knows exactly what you're going through and the best way to get it filmed for you. So he he's so smart. I mean, he's a fucking legend. Like one of his first comic tours, he was opening for Nirvana. Like, how fucking cool is that? He like, is him and a Kurt good friend Cobain, of Kurt Cobain. It, yeah, him and Kurt were, like, really close friends, really down-to-earth, like, dudes. And unfortunately, like, the tour didn't finish because Kurt uh, took his life, allegedly. Anyways, uh, <laughs> uh, no, I mean, we, anyways. I'm, that's I'm with you, that's why I didn't say none. I don't think, I I don't think okay. he did it, but allegedly. But, like, this is, he, he has, like, such a career... And has such a presence. He's just such a cool dude. Like, such a cool dude. I want to, like, be around him all the time. <laughs> I bet he's so cool. Yeah. Can I tell you a fun fact? It's not about him. Oh, yeah. Tell me a fun fact. This movie was ranked number 13th of the highest grossing movies of 1988. Wow. Nice. Top 13. Top 13. So I like that. It's a solid. Good. It did good. It did really good. Pretty, pretty, pretty good. Can I give you a little fun fact? 
Oh my god, give me a big fun fact. Ooh, this is a big fun fact. So you know the Picasso that Bill Murray's like, hey mom. <laughs> yes. In the in the room. So that's a Picasso painting. It's a 1942 Picasso. It's the woman with an artichoke. They actually had to make four replicas of this painting. This one painting gets four replicas made of it. And the director, Michael, uh, has one of them. I mean, not Michael. I'm sorry. Richard Don. I was like, who the fuck's Michael? Michael B. Jordan? I'm sorry. No, the production designer is Michael Riva. So like, okay. There was a Michael <laughs> that's in there. Why I got, yeah, there was a Michael in there. And then... And then one of them went to the cinematographer, Conrad Hall. But then this is weird. Mel Gibson got the fourth one. Lethal Weapon. That makes sense, yeah. Because the next thing he did was Lethal Weapon. He loves he loves him. That's his muse, right? Yeah. He's in, like, the majority of his movies, so. But, like, why did they need to have four paintings done for one scene? Well, what I had read is that they had four because there was a scene that they end up not doing they either they cut it they were never shot it was never shot it was it was and so they were supposed to he was supposed to throw something and like destroy the picasso in some way like that was part of the scene and that's why they needed four it's because they were going to destroy it oh well that makes sense but then they were like you know what now that you made four, those look really good. Like those are like really uh, well cut done. It. We're cutting it for time, man. Just pass out the pictures and let's move about our day. Like <laughs> I think it's very suspicious. Very. I don't think it was ever in the script. <laughs> no, because at least like if you made these paintings, like why wouldn't you just do it? Because Have he wanted to finished. hang it up in his office. I, I don't know. know. I know. Yeah, no, there's some sinister shit going on. He was like, you know, this would be a great Christmas present for my friend Mel Gibson. <laughs> don't worry, lights, camera, cocktail listeners. I am going to get down and and detective work the shit out of this. And I'm going to find the conspiracy about the four paintings of Picasso <laughs> that are out there. Trust me, I will get down to the bottom of this. <laughs> Oh no, I'm getting so drunk. I'm now making <laughs> conspiracy theory promises to the I, listeners. I, I know. I'm pretty buzzed too, and I'm, I'm kind of scared to stand up because I know it's going to be bad. But yeah. these old fashions are real. They're real. <sighs> yeah. So in this star studded movie, there are some cameos. And I even realized that looking at it, that I don't even have all the cameos on my list. So many cameos. Like, the cameos are unreal with these cameos. So we have Lee Majors, who is the day Santa Claus killed the reindeer. What's the movie? Yeah. <laughs> so good. Lee Majors, what are you doing here? He's ready to, <laughs> to shoot some fucking people. Mary Lou Redden, who you might not know who she is. She was a big time gymnast back in the 80s. And she won a gold medal in the all around event in 1984. So four years later, she's still very popular. She's on weedy boxes and doing backflips for stuff. So they threw her in here. She plays Tiny Tim. Jamie Farr. Most of these people I don't really know. A lot of these are like old 70s early 80s older actors that were in tv shows that you know don't get reruned all the time for us to watch or you know a bunch of movies that aren't 
really something that we know. So if you do recognize somebody's face, I would suggest you to IMDb. That's exactly what I did with the... I just started yeah. looking up a bunch of shit on this movie from the beginning because I had a lot of questions about who some of these people were. You know, some people look related and, you know, some people look mm-hmm. familiar. So I wanted to know about a lot of these people. So Robert Goulet, who we talked about, he's the other actor in The Toy with Richard Pryor. He's the white guy that <laughs> Oh, so, yeah. Like, Mm-hmm. He has kind of a rapport with Donner already. Robert Goulet is doing the Cajun Christmas or whatever, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so stupid. Uh, Buddy Hatchet play, Hackett yeah. plays uh, Scrooge in the Scrooge show. Again. Which I love him because he is in one of my favorite musicals, The Music Man. Pat McCormick, he is in this. There is a group of people playing out in the streets i was hoping that ah yes i love this this is amazing when bill murray walks out into the street with his brother and he sees a group of musicians playing and he's like you bums one of the cops threw something about this excuse me please great rip off the hicks why don't you did you learn the song yesterday sweet he is talking to mile davis it's one Mm -hmm. of them Miles Davis, baby. Who else? Larry Carlton. Yep. And David Sanborn. Yes. And so they're all highly trained, highly decorated musicians out there. And he's calling them a bum. And I think that's very funny. I know. It's so funny. And my personal favorite that's in there is Paul Schaefer, who he was actually on the SNL band. And then he moved on with David Letterman later. But he's also present uh, during that time. That just shows you that Saturday Night Live keeps it in the family. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) they really do. They really, really do. I loved it, though. Well, him and Bill Murray actually had like chemistry together and he would... Mm -hmm play the piano when he would do his lounge singer act that bill murray would do back in the 70s where he would make up songs to like movies and things that are just it was my favorite it's such a good character it's a good character so you know they they go that's how far back they go and um there's also (laughs) some special guest in this movie that when i first started doing research on this movie years ago drew me to it because there's some people that look like Bill Murray in this movie. <laughs> Dude, that is seriously the funniest part is that every single Murray brother is in this freaking movie. And it's so freaking cute because honestly, though, his little his little brother looks just like him. John Murray. Yeah. Like it's it's almost uncanny how much that they look so much alike. But then you have Brian, who's the oldest, right? Yes. And Brian we have previously oldest. talked about him in both of the Lampoon movies. So he's in the, yep. the vacation one. He plays a dude who owns a campsite and the weird mm-hmm. dog. And then he is also in the Christmas one as the boss that I want him here with a bow on his head. And yeah, <laughs> so that's Bill Murray's brother. And yeah, I, and he plays his father, actually. He plays his father. As, here's some veal chop. <laughs> Yeah. And it's it's so funny. And then he's got his little brother John plays James Cross, which is his little brother as well in the film. I do believe and that that picture of them as little kids is a real picture of them. It's real. Mm-hmm. It's really them. Yeah, How that's really them. That? 
Yeah. Like, I kind of love that Bill Murray was like, I'll do this movie. It's just all my brothers are going to be in it. Because then his other brother, Joel, is one of the party guests. Yeah. At the Christmas party. But he's like a nicely featured party guest. Like, he's not just like in the yes. background. He has some lines. No. And, yeah. He has some lines. Yeah. He keeps it real. It's a Murray fest. It's a Murray fest. Everyone got paid on this one. <laughs> Everyone. Well, Bill Murray is one of nine, by the way. I know. Those are just the brothers that act. That's just the brothers that act. There's other brothers and their sisters. And yeah, he comes from a big family. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he does come from a decently large family. But it's just surprising because you just wonder what Bill Murray is like with all of his brothers and sisters. <laughs> like, like, do they that? pick on him? <laughs> I know, exactly. They make fun like, of him. It, and it's a constant roast of Bill Murray, like, all the time because he has roasting such him. You're like, you remember when you were in the second grade and you beat on the bus? And he's like, dude, that was 50 years ago, man. People don't forget. Like, he's just like... People serious. don't forget. <laughs> He's seriously just like, I, I just would love to see that. I would just love to see how you would treat Bill Burr. <laughs> but yeah, I love that they make a little cute cameo. Well, uh, I'm out. I'm done. You got anything else, sweet cheeks? There's just a couple of things. Um, one, I wanted to say that Danny Elfman is the composer for all the music. Mm. It's not the last song, obviously. But he was a composer, which Danny Elfman, we've heard from Nightmare Before Christmas. He's a really great composer. I just want to sh- give him a little shout out. Shouty. And and it actually, the score for the Scrooge that he did uh, was actually very limited to only 3,000 copies when it first was released. And it has 34 tracks on it. And it finally was released in 2011. It took that long for... Him to get his the rights back for his music so that they could release it. Oh, I got a fun fact I forgot. Give it to me. In 2004, yeah. they announced that they were having a special edition DVD coming out of Scrooge that has behind-the-scene footage and a cool documentary on the making of this and interviews and all of the fun stuff that you get with one of these special edition DVDs. They had commercials for them. I kind of remember the commercials. And it was like a big thing. Because around that time is when older movies started changing over to DVDs. But what happened was that never happened. It never no came way. out. It never. <gasps> they even did commercials for it. Like I said, girl. Like they were advertising for it. And it never came out. And it still has not come out till this day. I doubt it will ever come out. Because hey. Oh, who buys yeah, DVDs? It's so it's like, makes no sense. So Who buys DVDs that isn't like Criterion Collection? You're right. Yeah, because it, you, I do miss, I, I really do miss that part, like deleted scenes, commentary, like those are the things I miss the most that we don't really get on streaming anymore. But Criterion I is agree. pretty much all I'll buy. Movies that already did them, they were DVDs. You could find the behind the scenes yeah. stuff on YouTube anyway. But moving forward, it's something that we kind of don't have. So cherish your DVDs, y'all. It's true. All right. Well, if there is no further ado. I don't think so. Are you ready for Z for the people? Uh, Yes, baby. Give it to me. I'm so excited for this week's. So this week, Z for the people was inspired by a scene in the movie. Tiny Tim, whatever his name is. Cavicoli. 
yeah, his mom takes him to the doctor and the doctor basically just says, he don't talk. <laughs> and she spends like $200 on it. So yeah, that's kind of where I got this one from. So okay. Danny Thomas was a young entertainer and with a baby on the way and he was married and not really landing as many gigs as he would like. So his money was dwindling and he became desperate. He turned to the saint the saint of hopeless causes. And he made a vow and he said, show me the way in my life and I will build you a shrine. And it worked. This man became well known in radio, movies and TV through like the 50s and 60s and 70s and started off with, I think like 30 grand from himself and got his rich Hollywood friends and their friends and their friends to donate money so that he could build his shrine. And his shrine turned into being the St. Jude's Hospital that helps out all children with cancer or very bad diseases to help cure them and help give their family relief financially and spiritually and emotionally. And he kept his vow. And he made sure that there was a shrine to him, I guess. And by doing this, by 1962, they opened up their first St. Jude. And now, as of in 2020, there is 24 sites of St. Jude's in 17 different countries. So they are something that a lot of us have probably helped and didn't even really know. Because if you see the St. Jude sign at certain stores... When you buy things, percentage of what you buy goes to St. Jude's. I know that you've most likely yeah. seen the commercials on I, TV. Of, of them. course, of course. It's the sad commercial of bald children walking through the hall, playing and smiling. And then they're like, donate some money. This is definitely a time for that. Yeah. Because people going to the hospital nowadays is extra extra scary and for being a family that would go from having their child in their house to constantly going back and forth to the hospital is you know tasking being that a lot of people are unemployed so i would suggest that you help out this hospital saint jude's hospital by going to saint so st jude.org and donate your time donate your money because it really does help those commercials are real I grew up having one of my friends, still my friend, uh, had leukemia when we were in junior high. And I remember visiting him at St. Jude's and we'd go over there. And like, so I have vivid memories of how sweet and awesome those people are and they care. So, and because of them and a lot of people like them, I still have my friend here 20 something years later. Like, you know, that's the thing. (laughs) Um, Right on. So, yeah. That is uh, my Z for the people. Uh, yes, uh. yes, yes, yes. That was good, girl. Right? I didn't give, know. Give I didn't it know out. That, I didn't know that was the story behind them. I really didn't either, and that's beautiful. Yeah, give out, give as much as you can. This is the season, the season for caring, loving, and sharing. So, like, get out there, help people. Thank you, Z. I mm. love that you you pull us back into a beautiful. Love for the people. I love it. <laughs> I get emotional. I get emotional about it at this end. Oh, I know. I know. Uh, These old fashioned. I'm getting a little old fashioned over here. I'm feeling old fashioned. Well, let's close this out then, I guess, before it gets too 
too much I love yous and emotionals going on. Oh my god. I just wanted to thank everybody so much for listening to our Lights Camera Cocktails podcast. Yeah. We are like the number one audio production show about cocktails and movies. Uh, don't look it up. Just listen. Just, I'm uh, totally yep. I, I'm totally correct on that. We are number one. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think we might be. I don't know. Who knows? Uh, <laughs> uh, I mean, you, you found us. You know you're listening to us. I want to thank you for checking us out and listening here on, maybe you're on Spotify, on Podbean, on uh, Pandora. Um, don't forget to join us next week. Don't forget to check out old episodes that we've got up that's going on that are running. If you loved this episode and you love this podcast, please head over to our Instagram and our Twitter and give us some likes, some responses. Subscribe to us on all of the podcast forums. Yeah, go on uh, iTunes love and to- rate and review us. That's the best way for us yes. to really be on top of the charts for the most movies and drinks podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah so head on over to itunes to subscribe rate us leave a review we'd appreciate it so much we love you guys and um connect with us please at our email address lights camera cocktail no s get the s out of here at gmail.com we'd love to hear any kind of close encounters that you might have had with our favorite uh actors and artists uh any bill murray of- ones i want to hear them Oh, yes, please. Uh, any recommendations of any films that you love that you'd like to to watch? Trust me, me and Zenobia are watching movies all the time, 24-7. Yep. So we'd love some recommendations out there. And uh, I'm drunk and I love you guys. So. <laughs> there it is. She's drunk and I love you guys. Well, I'm guys. drunk and I love you too. Thank you, Lenny, for drinking and talking with me. Zenobia, you're my favorite. It's been a pleasure to drink with you. Okay, well, I'll tell everybody what movie we're doing next week. Next week, I oh, yeah, one of my favorite, 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 favorite Christmas movies of all time, A Christmas Story. <laughs> oh, it's so good. Oh, my God, good one. Yeah. So Girl, there's a lot of wait. fun facts coming on on that one. We're going to shoot our <laughs> eye out. We're going to wear our pink rabbit pajamas, and we about to we're do the damn thing. Rabbit. Yeah, yeah, we are. I'm getting that pink pajamas on. Uh, you know I got them. Let's do it. Well, thank you guys for listening with us and drinking with us. Please, please tune back with us next week, because we will be back with another episode of Lights, Camera, Cocktails. Boom. You can hardly notice them nipples. <laughs> they didn't even see them and they're looking for and them. And they're really looking. <laughs>